get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. All aboard the panic bus in St. Louis. All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Please. Hi, kids. Good morning. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on a Thursday morning. A Thursday morning in which the Cardinals are going to start a homestand tonight against the the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates. Hi, kids. Hi, Mo- Michelle, how you doing? Not great, Randy. Things could certainly be better oh, here in on. St. Louis. Why? Are you positive today? Oh, I'm positive, Pete. You know I am. I would love to hear what is making you feel positive this morning. Because well, I'm at the, a loss. the sun is out. The weather's been beautiful in St. Louis. It's just been... If you aren't paying attention to the real world, it's pretty good. Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. See, this is all you have to do. You okay, to, you look ahead. But what about, Randy, how it pertains to St. Louis Cardinals baseball? Yes, well, not great. We, we, we've seen better in our day. We certainly have. Danny, how you doing? I know you guys wanted to talk about Gunnarsson this morning, so <laughs> that's why you brought me in here. Yeah. The Dan, retirement of for Gunnarsson. That, for people that don't know, Dan is the Carl Gunnarsson expert Absolutely. here at 101 ESPN. That's why you guys brought me in on this Thursday. I Sweet. figured you called me up. You said, you, guys, you have to come in on this Thursday. I said, I'll be there just for this first segment. And so then, here I am. <laughs> He's a gamer like Gosh, that. Of course. Uh, the Cardinals were swept by the Detroit Tigers. And oh, by the way, let's point out the Tigers in their last 40 or so games are over 500. And they were over 500 before they took on the Cardinals. They're getting better. They're ascending. They're a bad team. I'm not saying they're a good team. They're, they're, but they are ascending under A.J. Hinch. Well, good for them. They're still a team that the Cardinals should be beating. And the Cardinals are starting John Gant, who gets the Tigers 1-2-3 in the bottom of the first. Then, as John Gant is wont to do, walked the first two hitters in the second, was able to get out of it, walked the first two hitters in the third, and wasn't able to get out of it. Jonathan Scope with an RBI double, two-run double to tie the game at two. And then leading off the bottom of the fourth inning, Daz Cameron hit a 407-foot homer, made it 3-2. And John Gant was pulled from the game, and the Cardinals wound up losing by a score of 6-2. to two. The Cardinals skipper, Mike Schilt, on Gant, walking back-to-back hitters in back-to-back innings. Yeah, you know, he, he walks a tightrope, and sometimes you fall. You know, we score, no one, you know, nice stroke, you know, solo homer. Gets us on the board, gets a little momentum going. Immediately go back out, you know, we walk a couple guys, and... Um, 
you know, again, to his credit, he gets out of it, escapes, come back the next inning, you know, new bar, you know, graduation to him, gets his first major league hit, you know, triple when Tommy has a good at bat. And, uh, you know, boom, we add on, two nothing, go back out, back-to-back walks. Now you're facing a different animal, you know, a different guy in, in, in shoot. And, um, you know, made him, made him pay with the ball the other way. And then I uh, was able to work out of that to keep it tied. And, and then, um, you know, made a mistake to Cameron. And, you know, at that, that point, that was his day. And I think Mike Schilt, the way he walked out to the mound, would kind of share my feeling as I watched it all unfold. And we've got the segment coming up in about 12 minutes. I'm sick of it. Well, here, here's what Mike wanted to say. And, and Mike is going to protect his players, and I appreciate that about him, is... Number one, Nolan Arenado hits a home run. So you had the rough night the night before. You grab a one nothing lead after the first inning. The next inning, John Gant walks the next two of, of that inning after you grab a one nothing lead. That can't happen. Then he gets out of it, to his credit, which he's done time and again this year. Now, not that's not happening recently, but he got out of it this time. Then Newpar hits a triple, and again, congratulations to Lars Newpar. I like what I'm seeing, by mm-hmm. the way, out of him. I would actually do some different things tonight, but I'm sure we'll get into that. we got, uh, what, four more hours to talk about it with three with you and four with BK, so yep. plenty of things to talk about. But they, they make it two to nothing, and he goes out to the next inning and walks the next two. And then Scope hits the double that ties the game up, and now it's 2-2, and it felt deflating. And you can't have that. You cannot have that when you get out now to a 2 nothing lead and in back-to-back innings, he walks the leadoff guy and then the following guy. It cannot happen. He leads all major leaguers and starters in walks. And when you jump out to a lead, you had to have a shutdown inning or two or three or four or five. And to me, without Mike Schilt, flipping over the spread or going crazy in the media or throwing his hat or going uh, being demonstrative in the dugout. That was his way of doing it when he said, I've seen enough. Mm -hmm. So it it was a 2-2 game and uh, Cameron hits the home run and Mike Schultz said, I've seen enough. It was a 3-2 game at that point. And that's his way of saying, you're out. I'm done. I've seen enough. And honestly, that was his way of doing it without being uh, showing up a player. And I wonder what's happened. It, it really to is, guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you understand yeah, what right. I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He was. Yeah, that's his you, way of just saying, "I've had enough." Tell with his approach. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because he was up the steps before the ball left the ballpark. Yeah. The ball and, left the ballpark in a hurry. Yeah. And and, and so the, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, I, I know people are really frustrated. I'm frustrated. You guys are frustrated. The fan base is. John Mozalock is frustrated. Believe me, I've talked. He's frustrated. Bill DeWitt is frustrated. I know that for a fact, too. Everyone associated with this is frustrated. But if you're looking for people to start, like, banging bats, well, we saw Yachty smash his bat in two. But if if you're looking for the people in charge to, like, flip over the tables and start throwing things, I I get it. Maybe you want to see that. But... If you if you start showing up the players, you completely lose mm-hmm. them. You're mm-hmm. going to totally lose them. And I'm I'm not saying that the the effort is there. Okay, the it's just this is a terrible terrible rut, historically bad right now in June. Like I can give you the numbers. It's historically bad in over a hundred years of Cardinal baseball, and I'll probably point them out here in a little bit. But um, that was his way of just saying 
okay, I'm not going to show up my guy because I know he's trying to throw strikes and he can't right now, but I got to do something different. So this is what I'm going to do. And that's what he did. And what else are you going to do? And if you've paid any attention to Mike Schilt during his time as the Cardinals manager, you know he's not going to be the guy to flip tables or no. yell or throw his hat. And that's just never going to be him. And we get texts all the time to the Air Comfort Service text line being like, I want to see some anger out of this team. I want to see feel some anger out of Mike Schilt. But he's never going to give you that, at least through the media. So I guess what you're you're saying is how do you change things up? And what do you do? I mean, the Cardinals right now are signing guys in the minor leagues that are that are literally um, 10-year independent ball guys mm-hmm. because of injuries or lack of effectiveness that are throwing strikes. I mean, they, they, this is a real issue that they have in the organization. So you got to hope that tonight Carlos Martinez goes out there and, and does something and, and gives you some kind of hope tonight because this is as frustrating as I can remember. I, there were stretches in 06 that were like this. And by the way, I'm not saying this is the 06 team. I just remember the stretches that were like this, that feel like this. And this is tough, man. This is really tough. This is a tough stretch of baseball. I could feel St. Louis listening and cringing when you just said, now your hopes are with Carlos Martinez. <laughs> yeah. I'll turn it around. Yeah. That's where you're at right now. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. And now the Cardinals are five and a half back in the central after the Brewers won last night. And as Michelle mentioned, Carlos Martinez pitches against Chad Cool tonight. And that is a 6:45 game. Are, are we just we're at 7:15 now at the ballpark? 7:15. Yeah. NHL last night, the Islanders win in overtime against the Lightning 3-2. That series now even at three games apiece. Montreal can clinch against Vegas tonight. Montreal at home for game six. They lead the series 3-2, and the Canadians can make their way to the Stanley Cup final with a victory over the Golden Knights tonight. So, guys, this is uh, doing some numbers. This is how tough the month of June has been. So I get it where fans are. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm with you. So the winning percentage right now, the record is 6-14. and 14. So it's roughly just over, uh, what, about 316, something like that, winning percentage. Um, That's in the bottom three of baseball. So currently that's uh, all-time in June. You're talking in the bottom 10 all-time. The runs scored per game is under three. That's 30th in baseball. Currently the fifth worst runs per game in June all-time. And right now, the the uh, starting pitching ERA is over six, and that is 27th in baseball and currently the fifth worst starting pitching ERA in June all time for the St. Louis Cardinals. Wow. Wow. So that's that's where you're at. You know, I mean, it's so when you're frustrated, well, I got the numbers to back it up. You should be frustrated. Yeah. And by the way. A lot of this is injury-related, but certainly not the offense. The offense is just bad right now. That's the that that's the thing that I, I'm just... First of all, I thought the pitching would, would be better. Now, when you're losing Flaherty, that is a massive loss. You cannot... I mean, you're not... There's nobody, no one right now in the organization that's going to replace Jack Flaherty. I mean, you lose a number one, who's, mm-hmm. who's the guy that's going to replace number one? You don't have a guy that's going to replace number one. But the offense, when you're getting five or six hits a night with that lineup, so why I gotta why is that happening? Why when you've got Goldie Arenado, uh, Tyler O'Neill's made strides in the right direction, but DeYoung is not where he needs to be. Uh, I you got to question it. Mm-hmm. 
Why? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. And, and at the beginning of the season, we all knew, and the Cardinals said, that because they didn't have time to evaluate their outfielders in the 60-game, 58-game season last year, that this year was an evaluation period for Bader, who's not there, O'Neill, Carlson, Justin Williams, Austin Dean. By the way, Dean is still hurt down in Memphis. And so the infield was going to have to carry the load. You mentioned Young, hitting less than 170. If you look at those June numbers for Nolan Arenado, not great. Goldschmidt has never carried this team like you want him to. Edmund and Yachty have both tailed off substantially. Right now, who do you have that's hidden? That's, there's nobody. When the infield isn't going, the Cardinals are going to be in trouble. Cardinals in April were scoring about 50% of their runs and it was slugging. You know, they were, the home run percentage was about 50%. It's under 30 now. So that that's mm-hmm. a massive drop in what you had in the beginning of the season. And that's that's huge. And when you look at the beginning of the season, when you had Arenado and you had Yachty, and I would say it was, I think it was O'Neal. I had some numbers yesterday I mentioned with, uh, with BK, but those three have dropped precipitously uh, here in, the, in this month. And, uh, they they just aren't there. I mean, Tommy Edmond had his first walk, I think, in 90 at-bats yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's your leadoff yeah. guy. So when you look at that, that's some of that is approach. You know, what what are you, what's your approach? What's the, what is being said in that dugout in terms of the approach before the game and then in-game adjustment that are being made? And, and that has to be asked at this point. And I think Definitely. that's fair. And one final headline for you. Three or four years ago, we were at the MAC in the fast lane to celebrate the National Player of the Year. And Trey Young, Oklahoma, walks in with a large Emo's pizza. <laughs> nice. And he says, yeah, uh, Jason Tatum turned me on to this. So he had walked out of the MAC, comes in with an Emo's pizza. He said, I'll be back in half an hour. So he went up, consumed his Emo's pizza. Uh, and then came back down and did a great interview with us. He's a great kid. And last night, he led the Hawks with 48 points, and they beat the Bucks 116-113. to 113. Atlanta takes a one nothing lead in the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm not saying that he is Steph Curry, but he does Steph Curry things. Like I the think, long- Michelle, he's saying that it's because of Emos. I think oh, so, well, too. St. Louis. Clearly, Emos powered him to this, yeah. <laughs> to this yeah. victory last yeah. night. Well, Emos and the the one on one ESPN bump. Oh, of course. So, so, so really, you're saying it's about you. I'm saying it's about our station and about our community as a whole. Well, you were on the fast lane at that time, so really, you're I pointing was. to yourself. So yeah. okay, that's true. If people come on a show with you, you're saying they get a bump in performance. Yeah, come on, Cardinals. So can we get the entire Cardinals team on a Zoom? We could do that. Yeah, just give them the the old character bump. They'd win that night. We can try it. I'm all about it. I'll try anything at this point. Seriously, nothing (laughs) seems crazy at this point to try. Tell me this. How's the Cardinal that comes on regularly performing? He's doing pretty good. And how's the St. Louis Blue before he was uh, put out because of COVID protocol? How did he perform last season? scoring. That's right. Thank you. That's that's fine by me. I, I'm again, Randy. We'll um, try anything. I'm trying. Like I'm going back to uh, major league, and if you guys want to do Joe Boo, you know, whatever, Let's do, do seances, whatever. Hitting coach, you know, whatever. Put you in the dugout, get you a uniform. Fine. Can someone get Carlos Martinez on the line? <laughs> yes. Okay, I got some powers. I can't. Not even I can handle that one though. <laughs> you're you're a little tough on Carlos. 
A little tough. You know what, though? I can We're say in be the morning, here and he can listen, and by 7.15 tonight, he won't remember it at all. So I, I'm not worried about it. Look, we, we could be here tomorrow, and, he, and he's going to give you 9 tonight. What about that? How about that? Maybe he gives you 9, nine, nine tonight. Nine, yeah. You want to hit nine that pitches. sunshine lollipops again? That'd be great. <laughs> you watch it, Michelle. I'm just saying, Dad. <laughs> uh, I said nine pitches. Oh, okay. Oh, so listen, like, that's two walks for John Gann. <laughs> You guys are rough. If we okay? don't laugh, Dan, we'll cry. I'm telling you. It's Come, a rough stretch right now. You guys are up. tough. Get your text into the air comfort service. What the hell we got? Line. Take it or leave it or something? Yeah, Let's go. Sick of it. <laughs> Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We welcome your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 sick of it. Michelle, Dan, and Randy, I will let you two go first this week. Michelle, take it away. There's nothing I'm more sick of than Cardinals baseball right now. I'm sorry, oh, guys. The state of Cardinal baseball Mm-mm. is Mm-mm. so Mm-mm. frustrating Mm-mm. to Mm-mm. me. Dan, they've lost five of six. They've lost care. 16 of 22. I don't care. They just got swept by the Tigers. I don't care. I have no confidence that they can beat the Pirates. Don't care. Okay. Can't be sick of it. And you know what you're going to be doing tonight? Watching Cardinal baseball. That's right. <laughs> because I'm a an emotional masochist, Dan. That's why. You know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of that. I just changed mine right now. I'm sick of that look you just gave me when I'm saying you can't be sick of what you're sick of. Don't give me. I'm sick of that the, look the that smirk? you just gave me. Yeah. You can't be sick of it, Randy, because you know what? This time last year, we're all sitting around going, God, I'm so sick of the COVID situation. I wish I would be watching Cardinal baseball because I don't care if they go in 60. So don't give me that freaking look. Dan, Dan. Actually, good point. You know this. I I forgot how miserable we were last year. Miserable. Miserable, One time, back in the day. Back in the day. Back in my day. (laughs) The Cardinals started 5-20. and On the season. Five yeah. wins and 20 losses yeah. was their start. I was going to game number 26, and I couldn't wait to get there. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You know what I can't wait for? Uh, oh, this 314. Danny is the Cardinals apologist. Real. Okay. Yeah, did you watch the me? game yesterday? Did you just listen to the first segment? Shut up. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I'm so sick. Of, I'm sick of that. Stop. Um, here's the deal. You're not sick of Cardinal baseball. You're sick of the losing. I understand you're frustrated. Okay? I get mm-hmm. it. We all are. But mm-hmm. still, you love having it around. You're going to watch. You're yeah. going to, you know, check box scores. You're going to check out the TV for a couple innings when they're down 6 nothing, And then you're going to go back yeah. to watching, you know, whatever you watch. Here's what I'm sick sure. of. Sorry, that's, Michelle. That's absolutely right. I'm sorry. I, I'm got, I, I got to move on. Fine. It, all right. Here's what I'm sick of. It, it didn't Fired take up long. This I love it. I am sick of people, and I'm one of them, I'm guilty, but I'm, I'm sick of people complaining about the Max Scherzer, Joe Girardi blow up. That's what baseball needs. B- baseball oh, needs beautiful Max thing. Scherzer taking his belt off. It's beautiful. It's fun. Yeah, it is. It is fun. Did you, you know, guys see Romo the other day, too? Yeah. That was beautiful, was, too. Yeah, it was great. Josh's pants. That is entertainment. And I'm just saying he did. Watch yourself. And that's, baseball needs more of that. We need guys dropping their pants? Well, yeah. Again, Michelle, watch yourself. I, I didn't say it, Dan. Randy did. He Umpires says they need coming more. Out. So I, I have no problem with them checking these guys' gloves. And I, I have no problem with it being shown on live TV. And I like it best when it's... A guy who has a little bit of blackout rage in him like Scherzer. Yeah, a little bit. He's Can you got imagine 
having that uh, that black or that brown and that blue eye staring at you when Girardi had that happen to him? I mean, Girardi's in. Whoa, what, 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 what? What am I supposed to concentrate on here? Yeah, do you think it diffuses Girardi's anger a little bit because he's trying to figure out which eye to look at? What's Girardi's last name end with? What? An I. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's got black outrage. Oh, big time. <laughs> <laughs> Your text. It ends with a vowel. <laughs> yep, exactly. 65780. Here's Emily. From the 314, I'm sick of spell check. Oh, big time. I got a new phone. Emily showed me a trick yesterday how to put in a word so that it doesn't autocorrect to a word that you don't want it to be. Difficult. You know what, though? Don't you feel better that you have it when you're texting somebody you want to impress and you're like, Okay, I got kind of a word that it's on. The, I'm on the fringe, and oh, okay, good. I, I it sent the right spelling. Now yes. I feel like they think I'm fairly bright. Here's some of the definitely. Here's some okay. of the weird stuff, and I don't know if he has an Android or an iPhone, but what if it's a she? No, this is a he. Jay Williams spell checked sixth to first. It's. Yesterday, sent out a tweet that said the congratulations to the Boston Celtics on hiring their first coach of color, and it's actually their sixth. So, Randy. No, Randy. He, he was hacked. He was hacked. Oh. You're mistaken. He was hacked. Oh, I thought it was spell check. Sorry. No, no, it, no. That would have been just as effective. He said he was hacked. He could, if, he, if he says spell check, he says hacked. It, it's basically the same thing, right? He's changed his password. Yeah. Don't worry. Okay, good. Everything's good now. I do like a lot of these uh, folks checking down the text line saying, what do you think it would have been like with Bob Gibson or Chris Carpenter dealing with an umpire checking for a sticky substance? And I, I do think it would have de- been dependent on whether they had a, a, a decent inning or a poor inning. Yeah. Because both guys, and I, I knew both guys well, very well, and I know Chris very well, I think both would have been level-headed about it. I really do. I think both would have been like, okay, this is what I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. But if they would have had a, a rough inning, eek. Good, good luck to <laughs> the umpire. Right. I'd have been like, Ugh. and I, I think both would have been like, okay, if this is what we have to deal with, and I just went one, two, three, and struck out a couple guys and got a ground ball, and it was a nine pitch inning. Okay, sure, here you go. Mm-hmm. Check me out. I don't care. But if I gave up a couple of bombs and I'm down to nothing and I'm I'm hot. Uh, good luck. I can't imagine if the opposing manager... That's the one that would have got him. ...said something to Carpenter. Exactly. And the umpire Michelle. has to go out. The umpire's probably like, are you kidding? Really? Right. <laughs> you want me to go out and talk to Chris Carpenter and essentially accuse him of cheating? No. So we're like in the middle of like 04, 05, and <laughs> yeah. we're in a pennant race in September, and it's Houston, St. Louis, and Phil Garner's like fourth inning. Go ahead and check. Uh, go uh, go check Chris Carpenter over there. Oh. And Chris Carpenter's just staring Dusty at Minute Maid Park. And, yeah, Dusty Baker, Cubs, Cardinals. Yeah, that, that would have gotten nasty big time yes. that would have gotten heated good call, good call. <laughs> thank you from the 636 i'm sick of people focusing on whether or not flaherty will stay in the loo oh you know what yeah. we've got bigger problems bigger to worry fish about to right fry there. yeah <laughs> I, I mean i understand it's a concern for people but we have enough to deal with in in the present tense mm-hmm. than to worry about the future my my thinking on this is by the way if and i don't know if you guys agree if uh if the money is there and um if, if the money is equal, I think he stays here. It, when, when we get to that point, I think if the money is equal of wherever, you know, and I mean L.A. or wherever, wow. I, I think he uh, he winds up being a, a St. Louis Cardinal. 
I think if the money is equal and his he feels as if his chance to win is greater elsewhere, I think that's where he'll go. He's a very competitive guy, and he wants to win. I, I think... Um, I know he has a lot of respect for the Cardinals and for absolutely. San Luis and the organization and the history, obviously. And I know that means a lot to him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed either. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody knows except him. I really don't. I think we all can have our own theories, including mine, but the only guy that truly knows is that man himself. And he, he likely won't even know himself until he sees all of the options that are out there yeah. for him. And maybe that option is that he feels, and we don't know, I'm just going to throw this out there. Maybe he says, I feel loyalty here, or maybe the, the draw is to go home, or maybe the loyalty is, uh, or, or maybe it's, I want the top dollar. We, we don't know. No one knows. From the 618, the gas station I usually stop at in the morning for my daily ski has been out all week. Sick of it. Clearly from the 618, right? Clearly. Ski is the best. What is that? It's a soda. Oh. What's you... it comparable to? Um, It's like Sprite, isn't it? It's better than Sprite, though. It's like the best Sprite you've ever had. But it's like a lemon lime. I have yeah. never heard of that. I've never ski, had a ski. Really? I've heard of it. i got to get some and bring it, it in. It's a 618 thing. I'll, I'll bring it in for you, Dan. You can get it at like Sugar Fire or oh. High Point. Okay. It's really good. You can also get it at, uh, I've seen it at Deerberg's. Cool kids call it Ski. Yes. Got it. From the 314, yeah. I'm sick of talking about Petro. Let's talk about Edmondson. I think we need to do a segment, and I was going to propose this, but it isn't my show. I'm just a guest on your program that one of the segments this morning should have been on the top five greatest goals scored in Blues history on the heels of uh, Gunnarsson's goal against the uh, Bruins. Yeah. Which is one of the great goals in Blues history. I don't know if it's top five. I don't know if it's top ten. I don't know where you put it, but I wonder what are the greatest goals in Blues history. Well, Pat and Maroon has to be up there, Pat right? Pat Maroon would be there. I wonder if Red Berenson's six-goal night, if that's one of them. Um, I, I, you know, Monday would, Night Miracle. Monday Night Miracle. Monday Brett Hall's 500th maybe would be in there. I don't know. Brett Hall number 86. For sure, 86, I thought. Um, Maybe I, the, the Petro goal, Game 7, Stanley Cup Final. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, the end of the first period. I was going to throw that one out there. There's some great ones in Blues history. I just I was curious about that, and I know you guys love Blues hockey as My much as I do. Crumbing! 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 Brad Jorgen Pedersen could thread a needle in a haystack. <laughs> needle in the dark. Needle in the dark. There you go. Uh, thanks, Emily. Thank you. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, Rob Manfred thinks the foreign substance policy changes are going well. Is he right? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Major League Baseball umpires started checking pitchers for foreign substances on Monday. And yesterday, Wednesday, Rob Manfred spoke to The Athletic and was asked how he thinks the foreign substance policy is going. And Manfred's quote was, My view is the first two days have gone very well. We've had no ejections for foreign substances. Players in general have been extremely cooperative. The inspections have taken place quickly and between innings. Frankly, the data suggests that we're making progress 
with respect to the issues in spin rate that caused us to undertake the effort in the first place. I understand the incident in Philadelphia where Joe Girardi was thrown out was less than ideal, but that was one incident. And we expect that we will continue as the vast majority of cases so far without that kind of incident. When you read it in black and white and you don't watch the the what I term ridiculousness of umpires having to check pitchers. He's right. The fact that you haven't had any ejections for foreign substances and that the spin rates are going down, he's accurate. Now, I think that it just looks stupid. I understand that this is something that baseball has to do because pitchers have gone crazy with the substances, but it's just not a good look for baseball. Rob Manfred's like that meme where it's the dog sitting at the table with a cup of coffee and there's fire all around him. And the dog's like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. You have all of these players acting really demonstrative and angry and using their postgame press conferences as platforms to rip this process. And it's slowing down the game. I know that the ultimate goal is to get players to stop pitchers to stop using foreign substances. And so he is correct in that manner. But the, the way in which this is playing out, I don't think it's fine. And I don't necessarily really think this is the answer. But Rob Manfred's a dog at the table saying everything's fine. Well, and and the problem is Rob Manfred isn't the guy that put the spider tack on their fingers. They did. The the players brought this on themselves. They did. And that's a very valid point. Um, I I think it's actually gone smoother than I thought. And I, I think what has stood out are the instances like Sergio Romo and like Peralta the other night when they took his glove, and certainly like Max Scherzer when you have a future Hall of Famer that really uh, that became the, the center point and kind of the, the poster child for what we're seeing when not only was he checked the first time and then Joe Girardi had the subsequent check in his game after that. And by the way, the umpires know going into the starts of various pitchers of who has been having the spin rates that are up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they kind of have an idea of okay, now Player X has really had a jump in these these numbers, so be on the lookout. Uh, I, the, the games that we did, so we've only had two games. I haven't seen it in person. For fans that don't know, we're on the, when the team is on the road, we're, we're watching on monitors, so I, I just see the guy go off the field. And basically, it's like the players are ready to roll. It's, it's not like they forget. They, they, they make that final out, and they're walking right to the home plate umpire, and if it's the the crew chief is the home plate umpire, it's just the one guy. Uh, the other night it was Joe Joe West, and yesterday it was two different umpires. Hand the glove, hand the hat, take off the belt, or just kind of flip the belt open like if you were going through TSA and, and show it. And, and it's like, okay, boom, 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 and you're done. And the, the question – I do have questions about this is why – and I, I guess if you're an umpire, you have you've seen so much baseball guys that you would see things that would be falling off the table with breaking balls, and it would look a little different than if you weren't using a substance. But why aren't you checking before the inning? Exactly, I, I, great question. I, I do have that question. Um, I would think that they would look at it and say, "Man, that was." Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about maybe this. Maybe that's just an issue of messing around with a pitcher's concentration as he heads back to the mound. I understand that, and I think that's a valid point. Um, I would think that these guys have just seen, so, like Joe West has seen so much baseball, and maybe that's a bad example because he's umpired the most games in the history of the game. He's been behind the plate, uh, you know, he's seen millions of pitches, literally. I don't know. I, I don't know what the right way to, I, well, my my feeling is 
the right way to do it is to have a uniform baseball mm-hmm. yeah. that everybody can feel comfortable with, the hitter and the pitcher. Now, I, I was thinking about this, but then do pitchers then try to skirt the yeah, rules again and, and go back to even more substances and say, well, we got a uniform baseball, but I'm going to try to push it even more and use a little bit and get a little bit more spin rate if I can. That's one thing I think about. BK brought up a great point yesterday on our show. Think about if you're in a in a, a postseason game and the place is going wild and Chris Carpenter is on the mountain. Think about his emotions at times. Um, and he gets uh, bases loaded, huge strikeout, and you're in that first inning, and he's, yeah, you know, coming off and pumping his fists, and all of a sudden he's got to go to the umpire and get his glove and his hat and his belt checked. I, I don't know, man. Kind of ruins the moment. Yeah. Kind of does. You know, for him, certainly, yeah. kind of brings you down. But and I guess if that's what we got to do, we got to do it. And in that moment, you need to ride that energy throughout the game. I think so, Michelle. But I guess if we got to keep this uniform and try to keep it clean, this is the way we got to do it. But I, to your original point of the segment, Randy, I, I think it's gone cleanly, yeah. for and lack of a better term. One other thing Manfred pointed out in the piece was that there was a memo in March, and baseball gave players the opportunity to self-correct here. They warned players in March, and they also warned players back before last season started about the use of foreign substances to enhance spin rate, and the players didn't self-correct. And they, they apparently didn't think baseball would do anything to try to enforce the rule, and the rule is collectively bargained. So that's all the baseball is doing now is enforcing a rule that's been in place for decades. By the way, this game is for the fans, and it's ultimately about entertainment. So for you li- folks listening is this what you want? Hey, the Cardinals as a team are hitting 226. It's what I want. Yeah. I mean, we want some entertainment in the game. So I I think ultimately, as weird as it looks and it seems, I, I think I want this. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think I, I want this. I, I If this... And by the way, the numbers bear it out. We are seeing more offense. There's a rise in slug. There's a rise in average. We are seeing a little bit more offense. Generally speaking, maybe not with the local nine, but generally speaking in baseball, we're seeing uh, a rise in offense. I'm for it. Good question, by the way, from the 314. Does going through TSA ruin your vacation? No. I have been, in my younger days, I was known to get mad and waiting in line and dealing with TSA checks. I just yeah. I totally accept that. Why didn't now. you just get there earlier? I, I did get there earlier. Why didn't you go TSA I, pre? I, I, people, I, I just felt like... It, it was a it was a me thing. It wasn't a them thing. Okay. I, I was just being frustrated for the sake, and I don't get upset by it anymore. I just deal with it. But that's a bad comparison because what if you had to go through TSA anytime you wanted to go out while you're on vacation? Yeah, that wouldn't be great. Because a lot of these pictures are getting checked multiple times. Don't bring firearms on your plane, or when you go out. Or foreign substances. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I thought Jimmy brought up a great point uh, the other night. These guys are making so much money, and they are making a ton of money. I think the minimum salary is right around five fifty mm-hmm. or six hundred. Um, if you really want to crack down on this thing, and this is coming from a player's perspective and a guy that made a ton of money, hit them in their checkbook. Yep. yep hit them. Hit them in the money. And I, I I happen to agree with that. And if you really, I've always felt if you wanted to, and this is a separate subject, but kind of the same thing. If you wanted to speed up the game so you don't want guys to step out of the box and if you don't want pitchers to be walking around the mound and taking forever, 
no problem. From the pitcher's perspective, you're taking too long. Umpire points at him and says, ball two. And if the if the, the batter is out of the batter's box too long, strike two. It, he'll get in yep. the batter's box, believe me. He will not leave. And that's the problem right now is you get a 10-game suspension. So you do ultimately hurt your team. But if you can't get a, if you can't get by with a 25-man roster, there's problems anyway. Yeah, right. Um, but if you are making big money and you don't lose money, is it really going to curtail that guy from thinking about not cheating? Mm, he's going to be embarrassed. He's going to hurt the team a little bit, but he's not going to lose any money. I don't know. That's Dan, Michelle, Randy, and coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for a little game of ticket or leave it on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Five seven eight zero for take it or leave it on one hundred and one ESPN. Michelle, Dan, and Randy, and you guys, did you see that A Rod is renting a house two hundred thousand dollars a month in the Hamptons? Here we go. Two hundred thousand dollars a month. Two hundred thousand dollars a month for the summer. Sounds it's like a drop a bar- in the bucket. Yeah, bargain. L- less than a mile from J Lo's house. <laughs> Is Ben living with J-Lo this summer? In California. <laughs> oh. Take it or leave it. A-Rod had no idea J-Lo was vacationing for the summer in L.A. I'm going to take that. And I'll also, I'm going to leave that. I'll also take that he knew where her Hamptons home was. Oh, there's no doubt yeah. about that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, quite a home. And he says it's for Come the convenience of doing the uh, ESPN gig on Sunday Night Baseball. Well, maybe that was what it was about. Yeah, to get to Bristol from there rather than Miami. How far are the Hamptons uh, from Bristol? Okay, so there's a couple ways. Well, if you're A-Rod, you're probably hiring. You probably have a private jet. Or a helicopter. No, it's not private. I know it is. Yeah, so hop, skip, and a jump. I know people, Michelle. You you know people that know, Dan. But for normal people like me, I would have to go to the Hamptons. I would have to drive to Metro North 45 minutes, take an hour and a half train, then take a cab to get to the Jitney, take a three-hour Jitney to the Hamptons, and then you're there. It's quite the journey. Worth it. Very beautiful. Very fun, but... But I'm not A-Rod. I don't have a private jet or a helicopter. A lot of people can blade out there. There's a company where you can rent a helicopter called Blade, and you can blade to the Hamptons. Adorable. So I'm sure A-Rod is blading or PJing. Yeah, you would think so. Yes, Emily. The fastest route, including a ferry, is three hours and 14 minutes, according to Google Maps. From what? From From Bristol to Uh the Hamptons. Oh, that's not bad. Including a ferry. Three hours and 14 minutes? It's nothing. Does not look like this home has a helipad. You think three hours and 14 minutes for a trip is bad? If you're going for work, yeah. Once a week? Once a week? On Sunday? Yeah, I don't think that's bad. Whoa, I used to do that every Emily, week. <laughs> the dude is making millions once a week for three hours and 14 minutes? Come on. A-Rod's not taking the ferry. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a safe assumption. You're getting up every day at four in the morning. And he's making millions one time a week. This looks like a nice house. That Come he's on. Rented. It might even be worth yeah, two hundred grand a month. Yeah, still going to Bristol. Well, that's true. <laughs> Good point, I guess. He's got an air hockey table and a papa shot. Although on July fourth, ESPN is uh, Sunday night baseball going out to the designated stadiums for Sunday night baseball. They will be on site. Hmm. That's awesome. Beginning um, beginning in July fourth, they will be 
uh, on site for all Sunday night baseball games. So that's two weeks. So now all he has to do is get to New York and fly to wherever he's going. Well, no, he'll be going to, um, he flies privately to all Sunday night games. So he'll just fly. He'll is he an airport jet. at the Hamptons? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure. With all, gotta the, be. with all the yeah. wealth there, I'm yeah, sure. True. Good that there's be. a private airport. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, okay. things haven't been great for the Cardinals. No, you know, they, they haven't. They just got swept by, by the Tigers. That's right, Michelle. Um, but the Pirates, they're coming home. They're going to face the Pirates. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals take three of four from Pittsburgh. Leave it. <laughs> Man. Oh, through this rights holder's eyes? You <laughs> damn straight they're going to take three of four beginning tonight. Thank you, Dan. I need no some problem. positivity infused in my life mm-hmm. here. Well, I got a negative thing coming up on oh, Take It or Leave It. Lollipops. Thank you, Randall. You're welcome. Needed that pick-me-up this morning after our first segment, which was Mr. Negativity to my left and Miss Negativity to my right. I was uh, Reality. We were just being realistic. Yeah, and I was it's too. not being negative when I say the Cardinals have lost five of six or 16 of their last 22. Actually, 17, but whatever. <laughs> I actually said it was one of the worst months in the history of the franchise. Yeah, we don't need those numbers again. Not great. Thank you, Mo. Uh, I'm going to take it a step further. Uh, I was There was an article yesterday on ESPN.com written by Jeff Passan, who is a baseball insider. I think it was yesterday, but it was something about uh, work stoppage in baseball. Take it or leave it. Will we have a work stoppage in baseball? I'm... Now, think about this. We're coming off COVID. We're coming off yes. owners losing millions. We're coming off players losing uh, two-thirds of their salaries. Will... Uh, calm minds, smart minds come together to make sure and say, hey, you know what? We need to come together and make this thing work, even though we can't even come together and uh, get a DH in the leagues. I am going. So the question is, there will be a stoppage. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Will we have a work stoppage? Okay, I'm going to leave it. I do not think we will. Thank you. I think that we need to get you at the table. I hope so. But I I don't wonder if all of these checks with foreign substances, if baseball is trying to make it as annoying as possible for the players. And that might be a concession for them in some ways when they come to the table. I don't know. But I think to the greater point, I don't think the players want to lose the money. It always, as I always say, follow the money. It's all going to be about money. Um, We can get through some of the, uh, the things of, I would think checking for foreign substances and various things. When you talk about adding a DH, it ultimately comes down to, well, what does that mean for money? You're adding high-paying jobs. So what does that mean money-wise, I would think? It's not about the competition in my mind. It's about money. It's always about money. Uh, how can we make this work? But I'm looking at the overall revenue. I'm looking what the players have gotten over the last four or five years where their percentage of baseball's revenue has dropped. And the blind spot the baseball has in that they don't realize that they aren't America's pastime anymore. They still think that they are in the American consciousness what they were in the 70s. And for that reason, I think there is going to be a work stoppage. How long? I would say that we probably won't get started next season until June. Wow. That's a long one. Yep. I mean, that two that, months. That's a long one. That would be long. Yep. I mean, you, you don't think it's long, but then you're talking about missing spring training. You're talking about April, May. That's a long time. Yep. 100 people. game season. I think ultimately a lot of people in baseball want to see it go back to 154 games and then expand postseason, which yep. means a lot of money. 
Um, boy, I, I hope not. I hope we have uh, the start of it. I, I would just, man, I just hope that there's common sense and people understand that run this sport on both sides. The executive committee of the Players Association, which is an eight-man committee of players that have made a ton of money, and obviously the owners that uh, they realize we're coming off of COVID, and there are a lot of people. There's millions of people that really enjoy the sport. They love the mm-hmm. sport, and they they don't care about the money. They just they enjoy watching baseball, whether you're checking for foreign substances or not, or the slow pace, or the lack of offense, or all the warts that the sport has. It's still that's the one thing that bothers me right now is that man, we talk too much about, and I and me included, we talk too much about the the poor things in the game, but still it's a great game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I absolutely. love it. Yep. I absolutely love it. And uh, it's still great. And I just, let's not forget that. Let's get some texts from Emily. What do you have for us? From the three, one, four, take it or leave it. Schultz will shake up the lineup tonight. Take it. I'll take it too. I'm going to take that. Lars new to bar. I, I got to wonder if there's going to be some type of shakeup somewhere, somehow with the, uh, the lineup or something, who knows, but, uh, What's going on right now ain't working. Get the boot from Newt. I liked what I saw in the brief two games and his at-bats. He stung the ball, got his first. uh, By the way, he can run. He can. That ball didn't even get yesterday for fans. It didn't even uh, see it because it was a day game. He hit the ball to center, never made it to the track, and he turned it into a triple. He's got a cannon for an arm. He was hitting for power in the minor leagues and uh, can play all th- out three uh, all three outfield positions. So you never know. Maybe he gives you a little spark. So I bet he's in the lineup tonight, and we'll see where he hits. From the 618, take it or leave it, Mike Schilt ends the season as Cardinals manager. Take, take it. it. Absolutely take it. Yep, no question about that. No, qu- no question about it, as Tyler O'Neill would say. From the 502, take it or leave it, Sosa is the starting shortstop moving forward, and we see DeYoung get traded. I'm going to take that. What kind of a market do you think it is out there for Paul Dion? Slim or none. That's why I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. What's he at? 167? Or is it below that now? So, the yeah, he's at right around 160. The, the thing about Paul DeYoung right now, here's the, if you were looking at acquiring him, the the benefit would be of cost control and at a position that would cost you a lot of money. The downside is he doesn't have production. And the, the when you start looking at him through the metrics and the analytics, it's it's not only is he not hitting in the traditional way of just base hits and runs batted in and home runs and average and all those things, but even exit velocity and those kind of things, those ways to have tangible looks of, oh, there's going to be some production out of it. He's not getting that either. So if you acquired him, you'd say, "Well, we can work with that. We can, we can, you know, take that, and we can, we can work with that. We can mold that." And right now, he's not getting that. Now, I, I, I did see the last couple of days. I thought there were some positive things. There was a couple of walks that he had a base hit uh, yesterday. Didn't see it, so it's a struggle for him. I got to wonder if he he tried to come back a little too quickly because his timing has been way off since. He got the crack rib, but it, it's been a struggle, not only this year, going back to last year, and even in the tail end of 2019, and, and that's just the way it's been for Paul DeYoung. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Blues make two big off-season moves. Leave it. One big off-season move? Maybe moves? one big off-season and move. A smaller move? Yeah, they'll have to do that, because they'll, there will be some things that they have to fill in, especially after the expansion draft. Mm-hmm. There will be... 
a Kachuk in the Blues organization. You can you can bank that guarantee. Now it could be Keith because he's in the Blues Still organization. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know if it'd be one Good of his thought. kids. But Take it to the bank, though. That's right. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Hey, coming up next, what does John Mozeliak think of what's going on with the Cardinals? That'll be part of our fresh take next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. In St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Yesterday, before the Cardinals played the Tigers, Jimmy the Cat Hayes got together with the Cardinal Pobo, John Mozeliak, on Bally Sports Midwest, and kind of got a state-of-the-team address. Well, obviously, I think, like all our fans, we're frustrated with what we're seeing. Um, obviously, you know, there's times where there's there's a lot of inconsistency from our pitching and um, you know, there's, there's no way we can, can argue that from an offensive standpoint, we're getting it done right now. You know, it's incumbent upon us to try to find ways to, to you know, change this trajectory, change the direction of this club. Um, and that's something that we're going to have to take a hard look at and, and see what we can do. Uh, just the other day, for example, like we decided to promote um, Lars Newtbar to give him that opportunity and see if, you know, just getting a, a different bat in the lineup could help. And, and so, you know, the the, pro- the challenges that we're facing, though, is is when you talk about the injury bug, a lot of the players that we've optioned down to Memphis are also injured. And so it really puts a strain on your 40-man roster. We're trying not to, to actually just give up on players that we think have a future, but there's going to be that push-pull because at some point we have to do something different. And some of the players, I believe, most fans have seen enough. And I don't believe, based on what I see from our text line and social media, I don't think the Cardinal fans are particularly interested right now in bringing people up from the minors. They want to see transactions. They want to see other guys in here. They want to see coaching changes. They want something major to happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if the Cardinals are going to do that, if that's something that's in their view right now. But... It's not one person. I don't think Lars Nupar coming up, even if he gets incredibly hot, is enough to lift this team out from what, what they're dealing with right now. It's it's injuries. It's pitching. It's it's the entire offense. I mean, yes, guys can surge at different times, but as in totality, it's the entire offense. So I don't I don't know if promoting someone from the minors is necessarily going to shake things up enough. I'm going to start with the negative. And for folks that were listening in the uh, first segment of the show, Here's where the Cardinals are at. This is one of the worst months historically in the month of June that the Cardinals are at. So believe me when I say this, and then I'm going to start with trying to take a a different view of this. So right now, pitching and offense, this is bottom five all-time in June ever for the Cardinals, ever. And winning percentage, it's bottom 10. So that's where your frustration is at. And believe me, everybody's feeling it right now, especially after just one win uh, in the six games that you had on the road trip. And then you extend it out for the entire month. It's been a terrible month for the St. Louis Cardinals. Did, did you have six and 20? Is that the record? Uh, let so, me look at it very quickly here. Uh, sorry did, about that. No, 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 no. I got it right here. Uh, the Cardinals now winning percentage. They are six and 14. Oh, six, six out of 20. Okay. So yeah, six out of 20. So this is the worst since 1971, 
I went wow. back for uh, so I, I did a bunch of numbers here. So worst since 1971, currently 10th worst winning percentage in June all time. The uh, runs per game is under three. That is 30th right now in baseball. Currently, it's the fifth worst in June all time. You have to go back. It's the worst since 1966. Starting pitching, the ERA is over six. It's uh, 27th in baseball. Currently, fifth worst starting pitching ERA in June all time. Worst since 2006. So they had some rough uh, goes in 2006, as we all know. Now, having said that, they are playing in a division that, think about this. There is a chance to turn this thing around. That That is, the, here's what the teams have done. That uh, This is what's going on in the NL Central. The Brewers in their last 10, 4 and 6. The Cubs, 4 and 6. Cincinnati, 5 and 5. Cardinals, 4 and 6. Uh, six Pittsburgh, 3 and 7. There is one team right now in the NL Central that has a uh, run differential that's plus this year. Plus 24 is the Cubs. Mm-hmm. That's it. Wow. One team, and the Cardinals are two games below 500. So I'm, I'm maybe pulling at straws here, and I get it, and you're a fan out there going, come on, Dan, be realistic. And I understand that because the team hasn't played well. So I, I, I'm i with you. It is really frustrating to watch this team play. But as bad as it's been, it could go the other way. And they have played that way. Now, the injuries, I think, have led when you lose number one, Flaherty, who can stop losing skids and give you a chance to win every fifth day. That that was the big loss. That See, was the, the kick in the gut. That was the one. Mo talks about changing the trajectory of this team. To me, that was the difference because you do have a guy that's going to prevent a losing streak. And we said before the season, I think any rational fan would say you wouldn't expect the Cardinals to beat the Dodgers or the Padres and make it to the World Series. Now you can throw the Giants into that mix and so if you change the trajectory of this team to what you thought it was going to be, what you're thinking of is a playoff team. That's that's what you're hoping for. Now you're five and a half games out. And I believe the trajectory of the team changed when Jack Flaherty got hurt. I, I, I would agree, but this is where I'm going to counter it. And you have got, though, your everyday lineup, though, for the most part out there. You do. Yep. And mm-hmm. the, the one that's missing is Harrison Bader. And give Harrison cre- uh, credit. He he looked better at the plate this year than I think he's looked in, in other years. And I got a question. Why are you averaging under three runs a game when you have Nolan Arenado, you got Paul Goldschmidt, obviously Tyler O'Neill has made a has turned the corner. He's a better player this year than he's been in, in years past. He's not chasing. Now he's going to run into some, some ruts. Uh, that, that one is baffling to me. And you've got a rookie that's going to play – you know, barring injury, he's going to play 140 games. Tommy Edmond is is Tommy Edmond. He's he's going to go up and down a little bit. He's a young player. That offense needs to be better, well, and and so that that to me is a problem. And if I'm Bill Dewitt, I'm not necessarily looking at Tyler O'Neill or Tommy Edmond. I'm going to the big two. Uh, yep, I'm going to John Mozeliak and saying, hey. I'm spending $50 million on these guys. Why aren't they producing? And I need that answer. I need to go to Mo, and I need to go to Schilt, and I need to say, why aren't my $50 million worth of investments producing? Absolutely. Because if you have $50 million in four Arby's stores, and one of them isn't producing to the level of the other three, and one of them has produced at a really high level before, mm-hmm. And I do that because Bill DeWitt's company owns Arby's. Right. You, you say, well, why is that 
investment not working? That's what you have to ask when you're in charge of a business. Absolutely. And that's the point. Um, so, yes, three-fifths of the rotation. I mean, you've had, what, out of KK, two quality starts or one? I believe it's one. Yeah, you had the one against the Marlins. Uh, last No, so one because he yeah. started the doubleheader in Atlanta. So you've had one. And you took him out because you needed offense in a seven-inning game. So you've had one. If you would have said to me, you're going to get one quality start, and here we are on June 24th out of KK, and Flaherty's going to be out, and you were going to get three innings out of Miles Michaelis, I would have said, that's tough. Yep, that that's going to hurt. That's definitely going to hurt. No question about it. But your, your two big guys have got to be offensively better than they've been. Um, you know, I just think that that's that's something that needs to really you got to have a harder look this month at what's going on with that offense um, and with those two guys, because if they continue to now, Goldie has been good here the last 10 days. So he's on an uptick. And if that continues and that's been his track record, by the way, usually gets off to slow starts. And when the weather gets hot, he gets better. But if Goldie regresses or or not regresses, then we got problems. That, and you have to an- answer the question as to why. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. Stick around. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. Michelle, what do you got? So I think the NBA playoffs this season has been fascinating. And I love this Final Four that we have in Atlanta, Milwaukee, Phoenix, and the Clippers. And a lot of people are talking about the emergence of Trey Young and and Devin Booker and all of this exciting young talent being on display in the NBA. But not first take, guys. First take on ESPN. They were talking about the playoffs and the four teams that were left. It was Damian Woody, Max Kellerman, Stephen A. Smith, and Molly Karam, of course. And when they were talking about these final four teams, they weren't even talking about matchups or or potential storylines. They were talking about the cities that they might have to travel to. And here's what happened. So, Stephen A., I'm worried about these des- these destinations that you po- you possibly have to go to for the NBA Finals. I mean, no. <laughs> you really want to be in Mil- Milwaukee? Is that where you want to be? Last Milwaukee? year it was Miami. Hell LA. No. He's heading between Phoenix and Milwaukee now. You know now. what? A lot of segments going Stephen direct, a, right? You know what I just thought about, which is actually kind of funny? The only two times, the one time I didn't go to the Super Bowl, it was Minnesota. And this is the first year. I'm not sure what our plans are for first take, but I don't think we're going. Max and I will see. And it's going to be terrible cities. I mean, good karma for me on that. Terrible cities. Hold on, hold on, Molly. Hold on, Molly. Hold on, Molly. There is a news. There is breaking news here. I don't believe either of them are going to win their respective series, but I don't believe I've ever rooted for Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks, and the Los Angeles Clippers <laughs> more in my life. I don't believe I've done it. Atlanta, I don't LA. believe I've ever rooted for them more in my life. That you know is true. Stephen A., you're so good about Atlanta, L.A., too, besides the cities, the flights. There's so many flight options yeah. as well. Listen, you're li- it might hey, have been Utah hey, and hey, Milwaukee hey, this year, Stephen A., hey. All I all I know is this: when you get to those locations, it's worth the flight. I'll say that much. Atlanta and L.A. They ain't, I don't believe they're gonna do it. <laughs> but I've never rooted for them more in my State life. Being in the mix, I, I like when we were at that resort Ever. up at Golden State. That was yeah. nice. That was like being on vacation. Hey, Harry is nice. All right. Mm. Shots at Phoenix and most notably Milwaukee, calling them terrible cities. Yeah, and by the way, right off the bat, she said that they're all terrible cities. I wonder if she would have said that if the Lakers were in it rather than the Clippers. Same city. Exactly. (laughs) 
probably the same place they'd, they'd stay at, too, by the yeah. way. Well, I can tell her that Milwaukee doesn't want her either. And by the way, Phoenix is oh, awesome. Oh, that's a hot take, Randall. Well, well that's actually, a hot take. They don't, uh, you think you they, just they, went hot take. You think Milwaukee wants her today? Well, the Bucks have responded. The Bucks have responded. But people that that throw shade on Midwestern cities like St. Louis and Milwaukee clearly have never been here. They clearly have never been here, and they just they need to get to the Midwest more. And that's what the Bucks said. So the Bucks tweeted, "Hey, first take host, when's the last time you were in Milwaukee? Must be a while. I would love to personally give you a tour. Our eclectic and exciting neighborhoods, one of the best dining scenes in the country, and our spectacular Lake Michigan waterfront. You'll experience it all. And not only is it easy to get to Milwaukee, it's easy to get around. There's a reason people are moving to this welcoming gem of a city in record numbers. Oh, by the way, Milwaukeeans are very nice. We look forward to hearing from you. Hmm. And that's from Peter Fain, who is their president, the Bucks president. I love Milwaukee in the summer. It's, it's awesome. amazing. It's a great city. And But it isn't is. that the, the Midwestern way to approach this is just to extend an olive branch and send a welcoming hand and say, come try us. You might like us. Well, it's also kind of a shot, underhanded, yeah. a little bit. I, I'm, I will admit I'm not a big fan of Milwaukee in the winter. It's a little chilly. Mm-hmm. And that's putting it kindly. Uh, it's freezing, actually. Um, Milwaukee in the summer is awesome. You can walk on the little uh, the river walk there, and they got bars and restaurants, and it's beautiful, and it's nice, and there's always Cardinal fans there for a Cardinal series. I yeah. love it. They have cheese nice. curds. Oh, yeah, cheese curds. Good beer. Sure. Pe- people, it's it's a great time. Yes, it's a, it's a nice city. They got good golf courses, too. I like to go play golf there. Randy, you would love it. Aaron Hills. I'm just thinking about how stupid the takes on first take generally are when I get the opportunity to. I think you'd be awesome on first take, actually. You'd come in very educated, but you'd get red. You'd get a red face. Oh, I would, yeah. And oh, yeah. You'd get red face, and then you'd get oh, the. the uh, first thing I would do is I say, Molly, when's the last time you were in Milwaukee? Mic drop. Yeah. Do you think she's been? No. I don't. Who are you guys hoping that gets in the finals then? You want Milwaukee Phoenix? So I, I really want Phoenix because I just think they're such a fun mm-hmm. team. How do you not want to go to Phoenix? Phoenix is a great town. How do you go to Phoenix? Awesome. It's a terrible yeah. city. Exactly. Um, I think once Chris Paul gets back in the mix, too, that Phoenix is the, is the team to beat. And watching that Atlanta-Milwaukee series last night, I initially was cheering for Milwaukee just because I think it would be great to see Giannis in, yeah. in that space. But Atlanta is just this team that will not quit. Everyone keeps doubting them. Everyone keeps second-guessing them. And Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks just keep coming. The St. Louis Hawks. The St. Louis Hawks. So uh, don't you think I would love them too? It's good for the NBA though to have other representation in their yes. f- their semis and then in their finals Absolutely. outside of LeBron and others that it's, you normally see at this time. Especially when the belief is that there are three or four franchises that have a chance to win a championship. For years, it's been wherever LeBron is, and then the Lakers, Golden State. Who else? How many well, years did we go into the season with? Well, we know in the finals, why even play the season? It's going to be Golden State and Cleveland. And it wound up being Golden State and Cleveland. Yeah. Houston was always in the mix there. Yeah. But it was, can they get over the hump? Right. Um, so I, I love cannot. seeing the new teams. You may have well. the best player in Giannis mm-hmm. that you could have on display. And then you get to see after the Donald Sterling debacle, which was embarrassing for the league and then have new ownership that's been great and then take that team that's been a laughing stock and make it to the finals and maybe win it. Yep. That's that would be great. And this is the first time in ten years the Suns have been to the playoffs because of poor ownership. They've turned it around too. And a lot of talk of them moving 
I mean, then maybe it saves your franchise. Yeah. Things like that happen. You're killing me, Smalls. Some more NBA news. The Boston Celtics are finalizing an agreement with Brooklyn Nets assistant coach Ime Udoka. He's going to be the new head coach of the Celtics. He's, of course, replacing Brad Stevens, who stepped down earlier this month to replace Danny Ainge. He's going to be in charge of the Celtics basketball operations. And I thought this was interesting. Key Celtics stars, including Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart, all played for Udoka on Team USA, and they very much wanted him to be the coach. I thought it was very smart of Brad Stevens to consult with the stars on his his team before making this hire and he's got a long background with greg popovich yep and obviously working with brooklyn this year he, he's got a great pedigree to be an nba head coach didn't it seem like that sport more than any other sport they consult with the players and say mm-hmm. who do you guys want it's players league yes more so yep. than ever and and that that's due in large part i think to lebron oh yeah and just right. players feel feel more empowered, and probably that's the way it should be. That hey, we like this guy; he fits for what we want, and let's bring him in. That's why we're having the Aaron Rodgers situation because he wasn't happy with their general manager hire. Same thing with Deshaun Watson. I wonder if he was unhappy with that hire when it was made, or when that general manager chose a quarterback in the draft. Oh, that might be too. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he was upset about that yeah. that person or that hire, and until they selected a quarterback. And Deshaun was legitimately upset. So he needed to relax. We can got a massage. You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls. So we've been talking about Max Scherzer. As Dan <laughs> mentioned, he's kind of the poster boy for being checked for foreign substances. We know he, he had an issue with Joe Girardi a couple days ago. Massage. And it was Joe Girardi <laughs> that called for the check on Scherzer. So Scherzer wanted to pay it forward the other day and uh, kind of t- took aim at one of his former teammates. At the end of the inning... Eric Fetty walked over, Alfonso Marquez, Tim Timmons. They took a look at the glove. Tim Timmons looking at it. Now they want to look at the belt. Harper uh, Harper uh, listening to Ryan Zimmerman and Max Scherzer about getting his hair checked. He does have a lot of product, I think, going on in that hair. Well, it's pretty hair. I, you know, I can see why he'd want to take care of it, Tom. Mm-hmm. So in the Nationals-Phillies game, Scherzer saying, check, you're going to check my hair? You need to check Bryce Harper's hair. Look at all the product that's in there. There might be some spider tack in there. I thought it was pretty funny. That's great and dangerous because if there is anybody who could keep a bottle of spider tack in his hair in Major League Baseball, it is Bryce Harper. I love Bryce Harper. He's great. I may be in the minority, but I find him instant offense in terms of mm-hmm. – not offensively, although he is offensively when he's got a bat in his hand, but I just love watching him play. How can he it's not play like to watch? He's, he's as old school as old school gets. Sometimes he doesn't run, run out ground balls. Neither did Albert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a lot of guys don't, right. <laughs> come to think of it. But I do love watching him play. Me too. It's fun to play to watch. A lot of personality. Yes. And you need that. Yep. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. It's time for the fight. Have you won or lost? I won yesterday. He stopped a Hall of Fame bid yeah, in its tracks. So yesterday. Michelle lost on Monday. Yeah, sorry. I lost on Tuesday, but then yesterday we stemmed the tide. Okay. Made a comeback. Who do we have today? Somebody new and exciting. All right. Do we know, Emily? Joe. Joe's coming in to do the he fight. He is no average Joe. Apparently Listener. he is. <laughs> Next on 101 ESPN. We are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Welcome, Randy K. 
Welcome back to Character and Smallman with Danny Mac on this Thursday. It's 8.36, that time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Randy stopped a Hall of Fame bid, and it's tracks yesterday. So we have a new fighter today. Joe is with us. Good morning, Joe. Hey, Michelle. How you doing today? Oh, not too bad. Hey, Joe. This is Dan. How are you? Pretty good, Danny. How's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. What do you do for a living, my man? Uh, I knew that was coming, and I'm uh, not going to make it up, so I'm just going to tell you I'm a truck driver. All right. So you're on the road a lot, probably, and listening to 101 ESPN. Oh, uh, Quite often. Awesome. Well, good luck, and let's hope you beat Randy. <laughs> All right. Good, good luck, Joe. Question number one. I love how you always cheer for the listener. Dan. Absolutely. Would and you... you are no average Joe. I can tell you that. Let's go, Joe, the listener. Yeah, we can tell. Thanks, Danny. You Question. got it, baby. <laughs> Question number one, Joe. Happy 37th birthday to Mavericks guard J.J. Redick. Redick was drafted out of Duke 11th overall in the 2006 draft by which team? Is it the Los Angeles Clippers, the Milwaukee Bucks, or the Orlando Magic? Oh, man. Let's go with the Magic. Happy 20th birthday to Monet Davis, the first girl to pitch a shutout in the Little League World Series. Monet represented which state in the Little League World Series? Was it Pennsylvania, Delaware, or Connecticut? Pretty sure that was Pennsylvania. Joe St. Louis native and Islanders defenseman Scott Mayfield scored the goal that tied the game 2-2 against the Lightning last night. The Islanders would go on to send the series to a Game 7 tomorrow night. Which St. Louis high school did Scott Mayfield go go to? Kirkwood, Webster Groves, or Lafayette? Oh, man. Uh, let's, go with, let's go with Webster. On this day in 1955, Harmon Killebrew, the killer, hit his first career home run. Which team did Killebrew spend his the majority of his career, 22-season career with? Was it Minnesota, Kansas City, or Detroit? Uh, Detroit. Okay. Checking our score. Yep, yep. Randy's on his way in here. I don't know where he is. Usually he's in the hallway, but I don't see him. Oh, here he is. Shuffling in. Come on, Randy. Let's go. <laughs> Randy, as Don't you... Don't dilly-dally. As you, oh, he's taking a sip of his water. Has to be hydrated before competing in the fight. How do you know it's water? Oh, Michelle? I don't. It's a clear substance, so I just assumed it was water. Foreign substance? Could be. Yeah, do we Chuck get that em. tested? Chuck and that's a new water bottle, Randy. It's an old water bottle that has been uh, reestablished as the main water bottle. I've never seen you bring that in before. Oh. Is, it, yeah. is it filled with ski? It might be. Yeah, we don't this get is, Randy tested. Yeah, I'll tell you, the place to get a water bottle is Five Below. They've got great water bottles. You get everything at Five Below. I do, pretty much. Yeah, my headphones are from Five Below. So you can get a lot of stuff. You can surprise yourself with hey, this uh, stuff that you can get at Five Below. Randall? Yes, sir. Say good morning to Joe. Hey, Joe, good morning. How you doing? Hey, Randy. Pretty good. Good. Great to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All Always. Right. All right, Randy. Question one. Yes, let's do it. Happy 37th birthday to Mavericks guard J.J. Redick. Hmm. Redick was drafted of Duke 11th overall on the 2006 draft by which team? Orlando Magic? Not a lot of confidence there in that one. No. I'm going with it, though. Happy 20th birthday to Monet Davis. Usually you say happy birthday, Monet. Happy birthday, Monet Davis. She was the first girl to pitch a shutout in the Little League World Series. Hmm. Monet represented which state in the Little League World Series? I'll go Pennsylvania, Dan. 
Randy, St. Louis native and Islanders defenseman Scott Mayfield scored the goal that tied the game 2-2 against the Lightning last night. Go, Scotty. Let's go, Scotty. The Islanders would go on to send the series to a Game 7 tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. Which St. Louis high school does Scott Mayfield go to? Mm, I'll I'll do the... uh, Because I know all of the St. Louis high schools, but I don't know which one he went to. So I'll break it down with... uh, because I don't think it was one of the the Catholic League schools. So I'll, I'll take the uh, old lifeline here. Is it Kirkwood, Webster Groves, or Lafayette? Well, that, it definitely wasn't one of the Catholic League schools. I don't think it was Lafayette. And I will go with Scotty Mayfield being from uh, which Turkey Day opponent? I'll go with Kirkwood. This day in 1955, Harmon Killebrew hit his first career home run. Really? Which team did Killebrew spend the majority of his 22-season career with? The Twins franchise. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Oh, my goodness indeed, Dan, because we have a tie. Hmm. We have a tie between Randy and Joe. Each got three correct. Both of you guys. Great job today. So, Joe, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. As I'm reading it, Randy's going to write his answer down on a sheet of loose leaf paper. We're going to give you first crack at it. You're going to give us your answer in about 10 seconds. Randy will then reveal what he's written down on the sheet of paper. First to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. Joe, All right. are you ready? Mm-hmm. Randy, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, you're always ready, I know. All right, the tiebreaker question is this. The St. Louis Blues won 16 home games to take home the Stanley Cup. How many games did they lose? Mm. This is playoffs, right? Emily, all the entire playoffs. How many playoff games did they lose? Well, they didn't win 16 home games, but they won 16, they won 16 games. games. Yes. But, okay, so they lost. Correct. I Sorry, I Ron Burgundy need that. I just read it. <laughs> so if they I, won 16 memory, games to take home the Stanley Cup. How many games did they lose? Correct. Okay. Well, yeah, let's go with 14 then. Okay. Joe hmm. says 14. Randy say says 10. Okay. Emily, ring it. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. I hate when the listener loses on a tiebreaker question. I'm sorry, Randy, but I do. What was the correct answer, Michelle? It was 10, Randy. You You got it correct. Sorry, Joe. Randy got you on the tiebreaker. So let's run through our answers. So J.J. Redick was drafted out of Duke 11th overall in the 2006 draft by the Orlando Magic. Monet Davis represented Pennsylvania. Dan is so bummed. He was cheering very hard for Joe. Scott Mayfield went to Webster Grove. Webster, darn it. Joe got it correct. Congratulations, Webster. Killer, Harmon Killebrew, Minnesota Twins. And the St. Louis Blues won 16 games to take home the Stanley Cup. They lost 10. Randy got it right on the nose, Joe. So sorry. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for playing, though. We hope you have a great rest of your week. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Joe. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Hey, we want to promote our friend Donnie Fandango. You walk around this Hubbard building, and there are a lot of nice people. You won't meet anybody nicer than Donnie Fandango from 105.7 The Point. He's at the very least time for first. Or more passionate. Right. Uh, He loves his blues. He loves his Buffalo Bills. 
and he loves his Cardinals. And today he is going to start his 28-hour Radiothon to benefit children in the St. Louis area. And you can request a song on 1057 The Point, make a donation, and help out Dottie's Radiothon. He's going to be on the air for 28 consecutive hours. It's a lot of hours. Too many. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it either. So he's a good guy. So let's see. It's He started at what time? Eight? Uh, he starts at 10. 10. Oh, we're okay. off the air. He doesn't want to compete with us. So he'll be off <laughs> at uh, 2 o'clock tomorrow? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's math. Well, that'd be Does 24, he... and then you add the 4, and then I'd take you to 10, and then it goes to 2. The one. Yeah. Okay. Does he, and he doesn't sleep at all? No, I don't believe so. I wonder if there is a cot or something in the studio, though, for him to lay down if he needs to rest his body. Because if not, that's standing for all those hours. That's a lot, That'd too. That'd be hard to do. Yeah. We'll have to go in there and check out the setup. But either way, support Donny Fandango and the Radiothon. Yep. And you can learn more but just by going to uh, 1057thepoint.com or listening to them after 10, which we don't want you to do because Dan is on at 10. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. So wait till 11. (laughs) Yep. Thank you. We are going to uh, You just make your donation. Yeah, you don't even have, well, I was going to say, we don't really want to encourage you. Why don't you you guys make a donation? I'm going to make a donation. (laughs) I will too. Jeremy Rutherford, our blues insider from The Athletic, is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Here we go. We do. We go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and our friend, our blues insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford joins us this morning. JR, great to have you with us. How are you doing? Good to be here. Good to be here. Randy wins another fight. Michelle gave it a great shot the other day. Super proud of her. Yeah, she did a great job, and thank you for filling in on Monday. It it was greatly appreciated. It's great radio. (laughs) JR, you have a piece up, a one-on-one with Tom Stillman at The Athletic, and something that we don't think about as fans, and I hadn't thought about, but it's right there at the top of your story, is that Tom Stillman has never met Tori Krug in person. Say it again, Randy. It's amazing to me that Tom Stillman, and it's because of the pandemic, has never met Tori Krug in person. Is that amazing? And uh, as I sat with him a couple days ago, uh, he, he also said uh, Kyle Clifford, a couple of the newcomers. So, I mean, you think about it, 108 days, I did the uh, the math there, carry the one, and uh, he has not been able to say hello in person, as you said. So it's a situation where the pandemic has affected everyone, but here's a guy who loves the organization so much. He, uh, he, he is always one of the first people to uh, personally meet these guys and has yet to do that. So just a sign of what we've gone through. And I would recommend that he meet Kyle Clifford quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jr. after another early exit for the Blues in the playoffs and, of course, removing Alex Petrangelo from the equation, a lot of Blues fans wondering wondering how open their championship window is. But after you talk to Tom Stillman, what does he think? How open does he think the Blues window to win is? Yeah, Michelle, uh, look back to uh, May when Doug Armstrong spoke to the media and we asked him about uh, a retool, a rebuild. Do they need to do anything like that? And he said, I suggest that we stay the course here. We we believe that we have a championship window that has two more years, but I'm going to talk to ownership. So um, you know, I've been working on getting this interview with Tom Stillman for a couple weeks, and I was curious what he would say about those conversations that he had with Doug Armstrong um, after last month's comments by Doug. 
And he said that he doesn't think any way, shape, or form they need to blow anything up or, or do anything like that. So uh, Tom said that uh, he believes the window is still open, and he's on the same page with Doug that uh, if you look at that five-year window, there's still a couple years left in that. So what do you have to do to uh, address the issues, and what are the issues with the team to, to make sure that you are a championship club and, and going into what will be a normal season next year? Yeah, I think there's a couple things, couple things, Dan. Uh, first of all, Tom did say in the article uh, today that uh, the Blues are going to spend to the salary cap. And you might say, well, you know what? A lot of those dollars were committed pre-pandemic, so he kind of doesn't have a choice. Well, they have $17 million in projected cap space going into this offseason, and he's saying that they're going to use that. So they're going to have to spend that wisely. I think they got a couple holes uh, up at left wing. It depends what happens with uh, Jaden Schwartz. Do they re-sign him? Do they bring him back? Um, I think if they bring Jaden Schwartz back, they still need to sign another left winger. I think you need a couple left wingers. But I think their focus also is going to be on defense. I think they probably uh, feel like they need a good uh, left side guy. We've talked about uh, a big body, a physical player, a guy who can box out, but yet still skate. Nobody's looking for the Blues to bring in a guy who is a pylon. So uh, to me, if I were looking at this Blues team, Dan, I'd say left wing and I'd say defense. JR, is there a way for the Blues to extend this window with different players? And we're all talking about Matthew Kachuk. If the Blues were able to get him in a couple of years, it seems to me if you have – Colton Pareko, and you have a guy like Perunovic on the way, and hopefully he turns out to be a good player, and you've got your veteran guys that are in their prime. If you have a Thomas, a Kairou, a Kachuk, it seems to me like you could extend the window for a pretty long time if you set things up to spend big on Kachuk in a couple of years. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if you brought in you know, Matthew, he's a player who does it both uh, with the skill and with the physicality. Um, I think a couple things with your scenario. First of all, Thomas is going to have to mature, grow, mm-hmm. take that step. Uh, secondly, Colton Pareko is going to have to stay healthy. But if you look at the way Doug has built this team and given out these contracts, you're talking about the Justin Fox, the Tory Krugs, the Braden Shens. And if Jaden Schwartz gets a, a contract from the Blues, I would think it would be multi-year, you know, in the range of, you know, five, five and a half million per year. So there's more committed. So you're talking about four or five guys who are making up the, the bulk and you're not going to be able to move them because they're going to be headed into their early thirties, making decent money. So, you know, the Thomases can perform and then the Pareko's can perform and Kachuk can come in and do his thing. But in order to be successful, you're still going to have to be getting it in the early thirties from the guys like, uh, that I mentioned, Shane, Falk, Krug, Etc. And in two years, not only does Tarasenko come up, we've talked a lot about him, but Ryan O'Reilly's contract comes up in two years as well, right? Yep, both of those guys. So that's a lot of money coming off the books that you have to play with uh, as well. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, what do you guys think? I mean, I could see him sticking around longer than two years uh, with uh, with uh, Tarasenko, though. I don't know if he'll see the end of that two years here in St. Louis. I agree with you on both counts. And I wonder, Ryan O'Reilly keeps himself in such magnificent condition, and he does so much for the team outside of what he does on the ice. To me, he's one of those guys that is, he's a guy that you keep around for, well, he'll he'll be in his mid-30s. You try to keep him around to the end of his career as long as he wants to play and is effective. Yeah, and maybe he's not... uh 
to play in the top line center role and, and playing 24 minutes a night. Maybe uh, he's your second line center. Maybe by that time, Robert Thomas has taken that step and jumped up. That's what everybody, you know, every team, every general manager wants to see that happen. But I got to believe that with uh, the way Ryan O'Reilly, as you say, keeps himself in shape and just a student of the game, he could still contribute uh, after the end of this two years. Jared, Carl Gunnarsson announced his retirement yesterday after 12 seasons in the NHL. I think most of us here in St. Louis will always remember that game two overtime winner, the, the great Curbs called Boom Boom Gunnarsson. But what will you remember about Carl Gunnarsson and his career? Yeah, just great to talk to. You know, Randy knows that, Michelle, you, you, you know that going in the locker room, you know, everybody rushes over to the Ryan O'Reilly's and, and uh, you know, Braden Shen's. And those are good conversations, but if you step off to the side with a Carl Gunnarsson and get to know a guy like that, he's phenomenal. And I thought that all the stuff that came out the past couple of days, all the memories are great. We'll have those uh, forever. But, you know, one thing he said to me in that article last week is he just never cared about the spotlight. He was not the first person to say something like that, but it was so true with him. But, but he went on to say that uh, with the Blues, they have a culture where it's always about the team. And I think we saw them get away from that at times perhaps last year and, and even before the Stanley Cup. And Carl Gunnarsson's a guy who said, let's teach this to the young kids. I hope the one thing as I leave here is that we can keep that team culture where nobody puts themselves above the St. Louis Blues. And that's what I remember about Carl Gunnarsson. Curious, in your conversations uh, with Tom Stillman, did you get into anything to follow up with What's going on with Petro? Just any kind of revisionist with that? Uh, you know, just what he thought about what now a year later, what has transpired? And also anything moving forward with Mike Hoffman? And, and you mentioned, you know, you, you talked about a defense and, and looking at a winger. So just those two guys. Yeah, Danny, not too much on, on Petro. Obviously, you know, when you're having a, a brunch, uh, you have conversations about what's going on. Uh, with the NHL, and obviously the Translow is still in the playoffs, and you know didn't touch too much on it, but you know he's happy for Alex, and you know it just didn't work out. They felt like they did what they needed to do to try to keep him, and uh, and Alex uh, decided to take uh, the offer from from Vegas. So a lot of times you have these conversations with these guys, you know they don't often go back and say I wish we would have. So uh, I feel like Tom Stillman's moved on in that regard. And, uh, no, he usually leaves the contract-type stuff, uh, those questions, up to uh, Doug Armstrong. So we've talked to Doug about Mike Hoffman, and he said, uh, you know, they'll keep the door open. And in the talks that I've had with uh, Hoffman's camp, they have not closed the door on the Blues, so we'll see where that goes. Hey, JR, one more thing before we let you go. You never got a chance to cover Mark Bergevin here, did you, as a Blues beat writer? No, just uh, I just went down and shagged quotes for the likes of uh, Dave Luking and, and Jeff Gordon. Mm-hmm. So I was around Burrs a little bit, but not too much. Oh, he's, what a beauty. Yeah, he, he's a great guy. <laughs> so you've got he and, of course, Joel Edmondson and Jake Allen in Montreal, Scotty Mayfield, the St. Louis, and with the Islanders, and then the two former Blues, uh, Pat, well, Pat Maroon with uh, Tampa and Alex Petrangelo with Golden Knights. Who do you think we see in the finals? Wow, this is you know this has gone back and forth, and we've talked about this. I was telling you last week that I really like Vegas, I really like Tampa, but guys, you look at the Islanders and you look at Montreal, and they've got that that grit. You know, I don't think these guys are just hanging in there by chance. You know, they're playing good hockey, they're playing smart hockey, and so you know, I think Montreal's got something going right here. I think the Islanders are playing well. You know, they're going to need big performances out of L.A., I'm sorry, uh, Vegas and Tampa to, to win these series. I really like what the Islanders have going on here. Uh, so I, I hate to flip-flop week to week, but I just think that 
what we see from these two teams, Montreal and the New York Islanders, they're playing kind of with that grit that we saw from the Blues a couple of years ago in the Stanley Cup. So if you allow me to flip-flop this one week, uh, why don't I take one of the underdogs? I feel the exact same way as you, and I have changed my mind too. JR, always good to hear your voice. Great piece about Tom Stillman with Tom Stillman in The Athletic. We advise everybody to read that, and if they don't have their subscription to The Athletic, get one because it's a must-read all the time. And have a great day. You guys, too. Thanks a lot. That is Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic. I was doing the intermissions, and Mark Bergevin was a defenseman, and he came off the ice, and I got him to do an interview. And uh, so I asked him one of the questions, you know, you're playing well, what's going on? And he started, and all his answers were uh, quotes from Fletch. He said, uh, Danny, it's uh, all ball bearings these days back there on the blue line. And I, I knew the movie Fletch, so I just started asking him questions, and he did the entire interview in Fletch quotes. That's and awesome. I said, I, okay, that's Mark Bergevin, and uh, we'll be back with more in a moment. <laughs> he just did every quote was Fletch. He's classic. He's great. Oh, he's hilarious. Coming up, NCAA athletes are going to have a chance to get money and get big money. Jay Bill has had some interesting comments about it. Where he, we'll hear from him next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. No. 9.07 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle, Dan, and Randy with you. And Oh, Randy, I have a text here from the 314. Yes. Tell your development team I'm loving the new 101 app interface. Okay. Glad that you like it. Got and, it. Uh, you got to get that out yeah. there. Thanks Thank for the Thanks for the compliment because I worked hard on it. Thanks for streaming, too. On Monday, the Supreme Court ruled that the NCAA can't prevent college athletes from making money. They can make as much as they want, and they should indeed be viewed as employees. Jay Billis of ESPN is an attorney, in addition to a former great basketball player and a basketball analyst, and he was on the morning show on ESPN Radio and talked about his reaction to what the Supreme Court ruled. Well, it's a colossal loss for the NCAA and a, a crushing blow to the, the principle of amateurism and really a, a massively stupid decision by the NCAA to petition the Supreme Court to take the Alston case in the first place. The, the ruling in the Ninth Circuit um, by Judge Claudia Wilkin, although it was not perfect for the NCAA, had a lot of good things in there, and that wasn't good enough. And the NCAA decided to take it to the Supreme Court and they got absolutely slammed and lost protections that they've had for the last 40 years that won them uh, close to 80% of the cases that were brought on amateurism. And they're not going to win those cases anymore. So uh, th- this was a huge loss. And even though it was limited, it was limited in scope because the plaintiffs didn't ask for anything more than, uh, than uh, an increase in educational benefits. But that signaled that uh, it's open season on amateurism now. So all these cases that are going to be brought coming up, there are going to be cases, there, there are a couple cases now on name, image, and likeness, but there'll be more brought. There'll be more brought on compensation limits, period. Uh, and that'll be open season on the NCAA. And the, the, the highest court in the land has basically said the NCAA does not get rule of reason, uh, protect, or they don't get protection anymore as far as uh, being presumed to be pro-competitive, their restrictions, they're going to be analyzed under the rule of reason. 
which means the NCAA is going to start losing these cases. And, and then Justice Kavanaugh's concurring opinion, although it is not binding precedent, it is certainly authority. And it is a clear signal that the NCAA, the, the, the Supreme Court of the United States, thinks that the NCAA is a serial violator of antitrust law. And, uh, and this is going to uh, bring together all the different circuits um, uh, in the United States. There have been circuit splits in the past. And the, and the 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 NCAA is not going to get the deference from the courts as far as what amateurism means uh, and and whether it's a you know a bedrock principle. The Supreme Court said that was that was just uh, dicta in the in something called the Board of Regents case in 1984, and uh, and that's not going to be used in in the NCAA's favor anymore. That was that was a massive massive loss yesterday. So to boil it down, the NCAA can no longer say. We aren't going to pay college athletes. Period. Um, this is the most damning quote to me of the whole thing. I, I, I have been behind paying these kids a hundred percent, and people can tell me that uh, it's wrong and they're getting no, paid in education. That's fine. Whatever. Give me a break. Um, the average student isn't generating the revenue that these athletes are generating. This is the most damning quote. There's two quotes that I I read all about this the other day, and there's two from Justice Kavanaugh that I think just cut so deep into this thing. Quote, nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing to not pay their workers a fair market rate on their theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. The NCAA is not above the law. That was the first one that stood out to me. And then he just savaged the NCAA on this one. The NCAA's business model would be flatly illegal in almost any other industry in America. All of the restaurants in a region cannot come together to cut uh, cooks' wages on the theory that customers prefer to eat food from low-paid cooks. (laughs) I mean... Yeah. You know, I, I, and by I, the way, I, I, so for instance, when you, when you saw the NCAA with what happened this last year with COVID and those kids are in a bubble for a month, I mean, come on. And, and the NCAA was being paid billions of dollars by CBS while those kids are sitting there in a hotel That's room. That's the key. I mean, come on, man. And the coaching staff's getting paid millions of dollars. The, the school's getting the money. Everybody's getting paid but the people participating in the sport. And how about when coaches complain when these kids, how can these kids jump from school to school? Now, wait a minute. And, and you're upset when you jump to go to a higher paying job? Which happens everywhere. Yeah. And you've you've been in the living room of those families telling those those parents or the the caretaker of that kid, I'm going to be taking care of your son or your daughter for the next four or five years. And you all of a sudden jump and then the program goes to a different direction. And all of a sudden you you have entrusted as a family, your son or daughter to that particular coach. And you're saying, okay, well, you're, uh, we, we believe in your system and we believe in um, the, the, the institution and the idea that, hey, our son or daughter is going there because we, we believe in you as a person. Also, we, we like your school. And then all of a sudden you go to a different school and everything changes. But that's okay? Yeah. 
That's wrong. It's definitely wrong. The entire thing has been wrong for a long time. Just the NCAA in general has been an antiquated construct for a long time. And I think as a society, in many different walks of life and in many different realms of business, we're, we're kind of looking at things and examining them through a different light now in 2021. And I think athletes and players and students now have more of a voice. And I think we're looking at this in a different way than we used to. I remember even 10 years ago, the argument was, well, they're getting a free education and it's Mm -hmm. never been any different. Every person that's come before them is lucky enough to get the education and to get the exposure. And I think now in 2021, we're looking at it and we're looking at it from a completely different perspective and one that's saying, does this make sense? Because it really doesn't. I don't think any of this actually makes sense. And now the Supreme Court agrees with that and like Jay Billis said, it's going to be open season in court on the NCAA. Coming up, we're going to give away a pair of Cardinal tickets for tomorrow night's game against the Pirates, and we need two contestants to text in the word tickets to 65780. We're going to pick two contestants to be on the phone with us, and the question is, how well do you know your hosts, Randy and Michelle? That's coming (laughs) your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Oh, it's time for uh, Know Your Host. Yes. Right. So that people can win Cardinal tickets. 101 ESPN has your chance to score a free pair of tickets to the Cardinals Pirates game tomorrow night at Bush at both the Friday and Saturday games. 15,000 fans age 16 and older will take home a Yachty Tumbler. And you need to get there early to grab that stainless steel tumbler featuring Yachty or Molina. Get all the details on remaining tickets for the Yachty Tumbler giveaway tomorrow and Saturday at cardinals.com slash promotions. And if, and if you've been watching the games, you've seen those promotions for the Yachty Tumblr. That thing looks awesome. Emily, do we have two available contestants? We, the, the text line is lit up with people that want to compete, but yet we do we have two people on the line? We have one, and Ryder is in the booth trying to get a hold of some people, but they're not answering their phones. Oh, so you got to play the game. If you were texting in the word tickets and not answering your phone... Please we have hundreds of people that have texted in, but then they get the call back we, and they probably don't know the number. We yeah, do that's have likely what's happening. We do have one person. Okay, on who the is line. it? This is good. This is Eddie. Hello, Eddie. Hey, how's it going, Eddie? I don't know if I could be any finer. Um, do you know Randy or Michelle better? I think I know Randy better. Okay, I'm going to put you down, Eddie. I'm going to call so, you cousin Eddie. Eddie, we are <laughs> okay. a team. Let's do it. All right. And All right. then another participant will we join have, us as well. Do we have somebody else? Yes. Robert will be playing for Michelle. All, All right, right Robert. Robert. Let's go. How you doing, Robert? How you doing, Uncle Randy? Well, I'm doing well. Robert, you're going to have to know uh, Michelle, okay? Because right. Eddie, Eddie was the first in. So Eddie gets uh, Randy and Robert gets Michelle. And so we're going to start with Cousin Eddie, okay? I believe in you, Robert. Okay. All right, Eddie, you're first. What unusual vehicle did Randy own in high school? Was it a tractor trailer, was it a school bus, or was it a Winnebago? Uh, Winnebago. Okay, Robert, your first question for Michelle. Uh, What sport did Michelle play in high school? Was it soccer, basketball, or volleyball? Uh, Could you say that a little louder, please? Volleyball. Volleyball, okay. 
And uh, Eddie, back to you. What job did Randy have before he got in radio? Was he a grounds crew member at Bush Stadium, an usher or a guard at Bush Stadium and the arena, or a gas station attendant? Usher. Okay, back to you, Robert. Question two. What team does Michelle hate more than any other? Missouri football, North Carolina basketball, or the L.A. Rams? L.A. Rams. Okay. Um, What did, back to you, Cousin Eddie, who did Randy find it important to have more Instagram followers than? Michelle, the fast lane, or his dog, Darby Shaw? His dog. Okay. Question three for you, Robert. Where did Michelle spend a semester in college? Spain, France, or Italy? Spain. Okay. Question number four for you, Cousin Eddie. Who does Randy have plans for a community celebration for when they pass away? This is very pleasant. Stan Kroenke, Kevin Demoff, or Roger Goodell, uh, Goodell. And if you say all three out, that will be acceptable. But we do need an individual in this one. Would it be Stan Kroenke, Kevin Demoff, or Roger Goodell? Uh, Stan Kroenke. Okay. It's a layup. <laughs> this is awful. Uh, Robert, question four for uh, if you know Michelle. Who did Michelle fangirl when they were in an elevator at the Super Bowl? Was it Beyonce, Madonna, or Carrie Underwood? <laughs> Madonna. Okay. And Cousin Eddie, question five. How does Randy bake a carrot cake? Is it on the big green egg, a Traeger, or Weber grill? Big green egg. All right. And Robert, your final question, if you know Michelle. What sporting event does Michelle participate in every Father's Day? The Smallman Family Soccer Match, the Smallman Open Badminton Tournament, or the Smallman Open Golf Tournament? Golf. All right. Uh, we have a winner, and it is indeed Cousin Eddie. Eddie, we're Sincapato, man. Uh, nice. I will say this, though. Question number two for me, I think, is very tricky because the answer that we have selected is North Carolina basketball, but I do really, really, really hate the L.A. Rams. I know you do. I, I agree. But if- so I, if I was Robert, I would have selected the Rams, too. Because I talk about my hatred for the Rams more. Just saying. But you'll never forgive North Carolina for cheating and causing you a championship. They didn't even go to class. I mean, we just found out. (laughs) Academic scandal. No one cares. What was it? The 06? uh, 05, yeah. 05, yeah. yeah. Same thing. All right. All right. So Eddie's on his way to the Cardinal game tomorrow night for the Yachty Molina Tumbler. Eddie, congratulations. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, and thanks for uh, paying attention and knowing that I needed more Instagram followers than my dog. <laughs> the only one that Eddie did not know, what unusual vehicle did Andy uh, Randy own in high school? That was a, uh, a school bus that you owned a school bus? A big blue school bus, yeah. Why? Because I was going to turn it into an RV and take it down to Florida for spring break. We wound up painting it uh, crimson and cream and took it to a, car- a couple of Cardinal football games. But it was just fun. $700. It was the former bus of the Rock Hill Baptist Church of Manchester. It was a 1962 International 66 passenger. I did drive it to school a couple of times. It was memorable. And you saw Madonna in an elevator? I did at the Super Bowl. And did you say hello? 
No, it was kind of a, a hurried situation. I was in the elevator, and then all of a sudden her big security comes in, and she came in too, and I could kind of just get a glimpse, a glimpse at her. I thought they were going to kick me out of the elevator, but we were only going up one floor. I was in a parking garage, and she was very teeny tiny. Her arms were jacked, and she had beautiful porcelain skin, and I just stared at her. Um, did you win the uh, golf outing this past weekend? I was hoping that would not be brought up, Dan. In fact, we did not. First time in six years that mm. my dad and I lost the Smallman Open. But at some point, you have to wonder if letting someone else win is good for the overall tournament. You know, it keeps everyone else engaged. So, okay, my Uncle Terry, shout out to him. <laughs> and you have, Randy, plans for a community celebration when they pass. That would be Stan Kroenke. Yes. Um, It'll be epic. And the choices were Kroenke, Demoff, or Goodell. Uh, yeah, and I... I'm not going to go to the trouble of putting together a community celebration for the other two. I'll just smile. Okay. Also, I was surprised that Eddie didn't know that Randy bakes his carrot cake on the Traeger. He guessed Big Green Egg, and I just thought everybody knew it was the Traeger yeah, I, carrot cake. I thought that too, Michelle. I was kind of surprised yeah. by that one as well. Yeah, you have uh, you have done plenty for the folks that uh, run Traeger. Traeger grills are the best. They're awesome. How have you not gotten a deal with them? They're working on it. All right. But I don't know. Actually, you need to send Cousin Eddie a uh, a carrot cake. Uh, he's going to the game. He, I understand he, that. He's got it pretty good. Hey, Jeff Hartlieb of the Pirates. Pirates in town tonight to take on the Cardinals. And St. Louis and Lindenwood product Jeff Hartley will join us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Michelle Smallman and the voice of the Cardinals on Bally Sports Midwest. Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker. The Pirates in town tonight, and that means Jeff Hartley gets an opportunity to come home and face the team that he grew up watching. Jeff is a product of Highland, Illinois and Lindenwood University and joins us here on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jeff, it's great to have you with us. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, Randy. It's good to be back on with you guys. Well, we're we're excited to have you, and we're excited to have you pitching in St. Louis with fans able to come to the ballpark and watch you pitch. Yeah, I couldn't be more excited about it. You know, I got the chance in 19, and it was uh, it was awesome. So getting to do it again this year after not being able to last year will be really cool. Uh, Jeff, before we get into some baseball stuff, I know the last time we spoke to you, you and your wife were expecting your first child, and you had a baby boy. So how was your first Father's Day as a dad? Really cool. Uh, getting the chance to be in Pittsburgh with them on the day and everything was awesome, too. So uh, he hasn't been to a baseball game yet. So looking to hopefully bring him to his first one in Bush Stadium. It'll be pretty cool this uh, this weekend that the first one will be here. So that all, all together, it's been a really cool week with him for sure. Hey, Jeff, it's uh, Dan McLaughlin. I, I played at Lindawood uh, Baseball, and now I'm announcing the games. I, I love it when you come into the ball game. I always mention that you're from Lindenwood and from the area, so I'm very proud of you, and I, I think it's great. Um, tell me a little bit about – I'm sure you've done this a million times with these guys, but for just give us a little refresher yeah. about your background here in, uh, in the area and, and how you wound up at Lindenwood. And you have an interesting background to, to get there in, in Major League Baseball. Just kind of give us a little refresher on that, and congratulations again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, first of all, go Lions, I guess I should say. <laughs> you got uh, it. Yeah, so I, I went to Highland High School over in Illinois, about I don't know, 25, 30 minutes from St. Louis growing up. And uh, basketball was my, my first love. It's what I did more than baseball, and that's what I went to college for at first at Quincy University. And then uh, after one year there, I just kind of decided it wasn't for me anymore. And 
baseball wasn't really on my radar. It just kind of happened to fall backwards into it. And I was playing catch with one of my buddies in the quad one day. The catcher saw me throwing and was like, you should come out and throw for the team. Uh, I was still at Quincy then. I went out and threw. They were going to offer me a scholarship, but I was, you know, I didn't want to go to Quincy anymore. And so I just kind of emailed some coaches and uh, Coach Fletcher over at Lindenwood emailed me back in like five minutes and said we'd come down and throw a bullpen. I did. They offered me a scholarship, and then three years later, I got drafted. So, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty weird, pretty weird way to get into pro ball. But uh, I'm glad it worked out the way it did, and uh, wouldn't trade going to Lindenwood for anything. I had a great time there. So, how long did you go between actually pitching in a baseball game? Uh, I'd say close to two years, probably. Wow. Uh, when I first signed back to play baseball again, they put me in a, a college wooden bat league there in St. Louis. And uh, that was the first time I've been back into it. And uh, it was fun getting back into it. You know, it felt like finally for the first time I was so my main focus was really. And it was different for sure, but it was cool. Um, Jeff, I wanted to ask you about your manager, Derek Shelton. I was reading about him yesterday, and I didn't realize he was from Carbondale. So can you give us a, a quick scouting report on another guy who's from Southern Illinois and your manager, Derek Shelton? Yeah, it's pretty funny. My dad called me whenever we found out uh, last year he's going to be our manager. And he was like, hey, you know where he's from? I said, I had no idea. He's from Gurney, Illinois, I guess, where they – something to do with Christmas vacation where they come down from Chicago. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's what he was talking about. And uh, then he, I talked to him on the phone a few weeks later, and he was saying how SAUC and everything, my dad's from Carbondale. So there's that connection as well. And uh, it's been a lot of fun working with Shelby. You know, he's a younger guy. And uh, just the vibe he brings to the clubhouse and everything has been great. Did you go to uh, many games at Bush Stadium? And if so, the the time period and, and favorite players, who were they? Man, I was at the inaugural game for the opening of the new Bush Stadium. Uh, Dad got me out of school for that one, so that was pretty cool. And, uh, I mean, for me, Chris Carpenter uh, is a huge one. Albert Pujols was always my, my favorite player growing up, too. And I got to face him in 2019 out in Anaheim and I thought that would probably be the coolest moment I ever had in the baseball field. Uh, I think if I get to bring my son on the on the field of Bush Stadium this weekend, that'll probably top it. But that that's that's up there for sure. Uh, those two guys, and then I would see guys like Wayno and, and Yachty who are still there, and it's surreal getting to play against those guys. So yeah, those uh those four are big for me, and uh, it's really cool just being on the same field as them. You know. It's, a lot of fun getting to compete against them. When you um, come back to this area, do you stay at home? Or are you at the team hotel? What, what, what do you do? Yeah, last year we were kind of stuck with all the protocols that OB had. And so I was at the hotel. And in 19, I was still like a very green rookie. And I was just kind of not rock the boat and just stay at the hotel. And, you know, it was a quick three-game series anyway, so there wasn't a lot to do. But we had a four-game series this year. And uh, – I'm only 20 minutes where, where we live, so I'm staying at my house for the first time. And it's weird staying at your own house and then going to a big league baseball game at night. Uh, so I'll see how it feels when I get there. But um, it's awesome to be home. That's where I'm talking to you guys from right now. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's pretty cool. Jeff Hartley, Pirate right-hander with us on 101 ESPN. And you mentioned Chris Carpenter, and you and Carp are about the same size. Is there anything that you took from watching Chris Carpenter that you apply to your pitching? I think more than anything, it's that just that bulldog mentality of like, you know, it's me versus you. It's you got to make it personal in your own head and just really attack. Uh, he had so much fire when he was pitching on the on the mound. It was it was awesome to watch. And you know, I hope when it comes to big moments and things like that, you can bring that out in yourself and try and do the same thing as well. 
Jeff, I wanted to ask you about the main topic in baseball right now, which is foreign substances on the baseball. What are the conversations like in the dugout or in the clubhouse about the way that baseball is going about enforcing this? One thing for us is just trying to be aware of exactly what the new rules are and what they're trying to do with them. Uh, I think you're seeing around the league uh, with like Max Scherzer there and Sergio Romo. Uh, some guys aren't super happy with, with how it's going, obviously. But it's just kind of getting used to the new thing and the new way of doing things. Uh, I don't think it'll be a big deal or as big a deal as everyone's making it out to be. Uh, you know, it's going to take some adjusting and I'm interested to see how they're going to police it and make it uniform because it will not be easy to do. But the conversations with us are just being aware of what we can and can't do and just trying to not get anybody banged for the 10 day and a uh, suspension where we're down a man that would not be ideal for anybody. So trying to avoid that. You know, if I was facing Albert Pujols, I want to go back to that. And he's my boyhood idol. First thing I'm thinking of is, man, I don't want to let one go away. I don't want to hit him. That's the first thing. And then I'm thinking, okay, I got to get him out. So how did you do with, uh, with Albert? What happened? Well, I'll tell you, that was pretty much what I was thinking as well. And, uh, <laughs> my extra put down first pitch change up, and I threw it about 52 feet in the dirt. So <laughs> there was no fear of that happening after that pitch. But uh, <clears throat> it was a good at bat. I think it was a seven-pitch at bat or something like that. And uh, I was throwing it pretty well that nine. And he uh, ended up hitting the sinker, I think it was 99, just a uh, ground ball up the middle. And we got infield in because of who was on the, the base pass. And it rolled right by the shortstop. So uh, I guess he technically won. I got the contact I wanted and the ball on the ground. But... And went through the hole in that baseball sometimes, you know? Absolutely. How cool is it to be able to throw a 99-mile-an-hour sinker? <laughs> it's pretty fun. Uh, you know, it's, there's no other way to put it other than it's pretty cool. You know, I never thought I'd be throwing that hard. Uh, I don't always anymore these days, but uh, when I'm fired up in those moments, it's definitely still in there. Hey, hey, Jeff, I want to ask about Key Brian Hayes. He's back in the lineup after missing a lot of the early season yeah. with an injury. How much of a difference does it make when you have a guy like that back in your lineup? Uh, you know, I played with Key coming up through the system from high on, and having that guy in the corner over there behind you, there's just a lot of comfort, comfort behind you when you're, uh, when you're throwing. When everything, anything's on the ground over there, you feel like it's going to get picked up. So just from that standpoint as a pitcher, it's awesome to have him back on the team doing what he does and, He's really found his uh, his swing at the plate in the last couple of years, and the confidence he goes up to the plate with now is just – it's really fun to watch, and so it's obviously great for the team when he's back in the lineup doing his thing for us. And how many people will you have at the ballpark over the weekend? Oh, it'll, it'll be quite a few. You know, I'm still trying to figure out the details on exactly how many tickets I need to get out and coordinating with our ticket guys. So uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting on how many it ends up being. But uh, it'll be quite a few, that's for sure. That's great. Do you ever have, um, when you come back to town, do you, do you make, and I don't know if your your parents, uh, God willing, hopefully they're still with us, or somebody, maybe it's your wife or somebody, kind of take that out of the equation for you so you don't have to worry about that and you worry about your job because – it's interesting, especially as you well know, in a baseball town like this, and we've had guys that have come back to St. Louis and played here, where it's a it's a blessing and a curse. You love playing in St. Louis. It's awesome. You're playing for the Cardinals, or in your case, you're playing for the Pirates. You come back, but yet, you know what? It's your job, and you want to focus on your job. This is how you put food on the table. This is what you do, and you want to have a nice, long career, but you also don't want to be a jerk and say, hey, quit bothering yeah. me, so... Do you have anybody that kind of handles that stuff for you when you come through town? Yeah, you know, blessing that curse is a good way to put it because in a lot of ways it kind of feels like your debut almost with so many just 
different things going and turning and trying to keep everything under control with trying to see everybody and especially with the, with the baby this year, like people want to come see him and everything. There's just a lot and it can be a, a busy weekend. You don't have that much time at home anyway. So you really got to try and pick and choose what, what you can and what you want to do. And so in 19, my dad kind of helped organize uh, some people. We just kind of said, hey, if you guys want to talk to talk Jeff after the game, just stay and uh, he'll come back out on the first base side, on the or third base side of the dugout. And that was the best way we did it, was just coming out back afterwards and signing for as long as everybody was down there, talking to everybody who came to see me and everything. It was really cool. But uh, it can be a lot. You know, I try to try to have anybody help me who is willing and able. So uh, we've done a pretty good job of keeping it, I don't know, keeping a good balance on things the last couple times I've been back. So it's been pretty good, but it can definitely get out of hand quick. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it's amazing how many friends you didn't realize you had <laughs> when you come back to St. Louis. No doubt about it. You're right about that. <laughs> hey, Jeff, we really appreciate you taking the time with us this morning. Good luck this weekend. Have fun back at home, and good luck the rest of the season with the Pirates, too. Yes, I appreciate it. Good talking to you. Good you talking too. to you, too. Thanks, Jeff. Jeff Hartlieb from Highland, Illinois, and the Lindenwood University, another Lindenwood product, joining us on 101 ESPN. What a great story. Yeah, isn't that great? I mean, playing basketball, doesn't throw a baseball for two years. Now he's throwing triple digits and working out of the bullpen, and it's awesome. Love stories like that. That is that is the beauty of baseball. Um, and I, I said this the other night. I said, Wander Franco made his debut. And he is from the, the the he is the first player in the year of two thousand one, so he he was born in two thousand one, and he's now made a major league debut, and he is uber talented, and so here's a guy that hits a home run in his major league debut, and he's running like the wind, and he can play short and third and second, and he's awesome, and in baseball you can be tall, you can be fat, you can be slow, you can be whatever, right, mm-hmm. and you can find a place in in baseball. And in that same night, the Cardinal, I get goosebumps thinking about this. The Cardinals had a double A, a guy that had 899 and a third innings of independent baseball. Now think about that. 889, 99, 899 and a third innings of baseball, of independent baseball. And by the way, went through a pandemic. So didn't pitch last year Mm -hmm. and had made a finally a start in affiliated professional ball in terms of a start at double A and, uh, and stuck through it. That is the beauty of this sport. And that's why I love it so much. I mean, that just one side of the spectrum to the other. And his last name is McGovern. I'm going to, I'm going to watch and see how he fares this year because the Cardinals need guys to throw strikes and this guy throws strikes and we'll see what happens. But that truly is the beauty of this sport. We will cross things over towards the Danny Mac show featuring BK. Now hand me the Kleenex (laughs) coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The U.S. Olympic gymnastic trials start today at the Dome. The men's start at 5 o'clock this afternoon, and you can still get tickets by going to Ticketmaster.com. The men today at 5 and then Saturday at 1.30. The women, including Simone Biles, at 6.30 tomorrow night and at 7 o'clock on Sunday night. Tickets still available again as they will determine the U.S. Olympic gymnastics teams here in St. Louis at the Dome. Tonight, 
tomorrow night, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday night as well. So thanks to our friends at the St. Louis Sports Commission for bringing this event to St. Louis, and it'll be great to see perhaps the best athlete going right now, Simone Biles. She's incredible, and I if you are interested at all, you should get tickets to go because I bet it's one of those events that's going to blow you away. It's yeah. going to be so cool that you're there to be a part of it. And the tickets are at Ticketmaster.com. And we want you to join the 101 Bomberito Street Fleet this Friday, that would be tomorrow, from 6 to 8 p.m. at Hooters in St. Peter's for the Michelob Ultra Putter Challenge. It's a free-to-play indoor golf game where you can score prizes and win Mick Ultra swag, plus your chance to win a trip for two to this year's Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. Don't miss out tomorrow night, 6 to 8 p.m., 101 ESPN at the Hooters in St. Peter's. Get all the details on the Michelob Ultra Putter Challenge at 101ESPN.com. I have a uh, shameless plug well, it's not shameless, but it is a plug. I like it. Uh, I will be at the Cardinals Hall of Fame Museum tomorrow at 4.30. To get inducted? Come on. No. 4.30 tomorrow, I will be there with Brian Finch, and it's kind of like a meet and greet thing, but we do um, a lot of, uh, like a and a of some of the items that are in the Cardinals Hall of Fame at 4.30, and then at 9.30... Saturday morning, I'll be there with Jim Edmonds. So if you want Jim Edmonds' autograph at 9.30, just go to cardinals.com slash museum, and there's tickets available for that. So 4.30 tomorrow, um, and then 9.30 Saturday morning, and we bring out a bunch of the items and talk about them and various things that we've called throughout the years. So that stuff is fun. I love it. And that Hall of Fame is awesome in and of itself, but if you have an opportunity to come and Shake Dan McLaughlin's hand. That makes it even better. Well, it's another sign that things are opening up. Yep. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I love about it is that we couldn't do this last year. So um, we have so many fans that come from out of state, especially on the weekends. I've talked about it a lot, but you basically got a 60-mile radius and, um, and it, roughly 65 70% of the fan base on weekend games are from outside that 60 mile radius and they mm-hmm. come in on the weekends and so a lot of fans we we you're going to notice this weekend I don't know about starting tonight but definitely with the Yachty Tumbler that is a very popular giveaway now obviously the team is not playing well but we were uh, and are expecting uh, bigger crowds this weekend I would I would think we're going to probably hit into the 30s this weekend and you get a chance to watch Wayno pitch and you know you never know how many opportunities you get to watch at Wainwright pitch and he'll go on Saturday. Yep, don't take it for granted. I would say the same thing with Yachty. Um, but generally speaking, and we've talked a lot, it's been kind of a negative Nelly uh, Thursday morning, you know. But we're just being realistic, Dan. Oh, yeah. Things this is are, a, things are not a great. very realistic show. Um, yeah. I mean, I was saying, hey. I gave if, the numbers about the offense and the pitching. It's been historically bad here in the month of June. It's It's been a tough go. And uh, hopefully they turn it around here tonight with Pittsburgh in town. 2011 happened. If, but if the three of us can't spin it positively on a Thursday, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Yeah. <laughs> the three of us that, can't do it. That's it an can't honest happen. take, too. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm serious. Hey, Dan, if you uh, lean over here, you can see there's the uh, blue school bus here on the sc- screen here. Oh, I see it. From yeah. back in the day. Yeah. yeah. What'd you guys do with it once you got rid of it? Where'd it go? Just sold it to a guy who was going to live in it. And it turned into Christine? Yeah, basically. You ever? You probably haven't seen Christine. Christine is a great no. movie. Oh, you got to see that one. It, it, I bet you didn't watch Heat either. That You're was right. on last You're night. Right, I didn't. I didn't watch Heat. I'm sorry. It was on last it's on night. The list. It was on last night again. I was watching the NBA playoffs. I watched Heat. 
Good play. Hey, who do we got coming up on the Danny Mac Show with BK? I love visiting with a former pitcher, left-hander, um, and that is Dave LaPointe. I always used to say, I try to get out of the habit of saying former left-hander, and they always say, well, I'm still left-handed. So I try to always catch myself <laughs> in saying former pitcher, left-hander, Dave LaPointe will be our guest. He's a he's a hoot, as they say, and a good guy and a world champion of 1982. And Dave LaPointe, who is still involved at times in the game of baseball, always see him down at fantasy camp, and uh, I love visiting with him. He was managing for a long time, was a pitching coach in independent baseball, but a good guy. We're going to visit with him, and we'll break down, obviously, what's going on with the Cardinals not many positives, if any, to try to draw from the, the really tough road trip the Cardinals just had. So when LaPointe was a rookie in 82, he and John Stuper, fellow rookie starting pitcher. By the way, the Cardinals won Game the World six Series. winner. Yeah. And Mike Head Ramsey. Coach at Princeton or Yale? I think it was uh, Stuper is Yale. Yale, okay. Yeah. But those three would get together with bottles of Budweiser and do a faux radio show just talking into their yeah. beers. <laughs> well, David LaPointe would be a great broadcaster. Oh, definitely. I don't know if he could make it today. Probably not. I'm not sure. The cancel culture might get him. Yeah, a little, uh, a little bit politically. He, he, he could... He's brilliant. He's smart. Oh, yeah. I, I think he could adapt with the times. Yeah. But, man, it would be a colorful broadcast. <laughs> it would be great. He's hilarious. Looking forward to that. Thanks, guys. Great job by Emily Butcher, our producer engineer. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, do you feel like people know a little bit more about you now? I do. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. Hope you too, right? Oh, yeah. Well, if, if somebody Randy's been around egg. longer than yeah. dirt, though. But I stand by Sorry, that. Randy. That question was tricky because I think most people listening to the show would have selected the Rams as the team I hate the most. That's not true. North Carolina. Yeah. So I almost feel badly for my guy, Robert. I feel like he kind of got robbed a little. I would have picked the Rams. See? Emily would have picked I would have, too. See? So, Robert, I'm sorry. I've been paying attention over the years. But you that's know, what was it? that's what the contest was all about. How much attention have you paid? Yeah, I'm just saying. I kind of Randy's old. I hate them a lot. I hate them. So if you've been oh, listening too. to when Randy and there was only AM radio, there was no FM when Randy started. Mm-hmm. Wow. No internet. No dial phones. Yeah, actually, I remember being a Camo X with with you when the internet started. Wow. Yeah, I was seriously. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. You and I would... Were you guys like, what is this? Oh, we thought it was fascinating. It was great. And now here we are. Yep. Amazing. With tiny computers in our hands. Dan, have a great show. We'll see you tomorrow. Oh, sorry, Randy. I guess you have a meeting or golf to go to. (laughs) Why don't you just rush on out of here? Oh, yeah. Jeez. It's not golf today, Dan. Okay, well, whatever you got to get to. Some lunch or whoever's butt you need to kiss to keep your job. (laughs) Got to do something. Sorry to to bother you, Randy. Get on out of here, Randall. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great Sorry, day, Sarah, Randy. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. 
and Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.